welcome to episode 217 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over there in Oakland, California. He goes by the name of Randy Michael Stant. Yes, sir. I would say not as always, but as most times, as I missed last week. Randy, you should know you are always here in our hearts. (laughs) That's good to know. No clapping from you, Oksana Valeria Osachi? No one's ever applauded anything on this show. <laughs> well, I, didn't know that was I don't know thing. how to process that. I clap all the time. I clap on, I clap off. Untrue. That is very I, true. I call your bluff. Oksana, how are you today? We've uh, been up here for, uh, I think we started up here on Wednesday. <laughs> and it's Sunday now. I mean... Did you get any work done downstairs? Barely. <laughs> did you find any more of my glass all over the kitchen that I, I exploded? I did. That's you what did? I, Where? I spent a lot of... Uh, I ended up mopping the kitchen floor because there was tiny... I was going to swiffer it. Like, l- nail clipping sized pieces of glass that are <laughs> like, like all over the place. Yeah, Randy, I put a um, orange soda in the freezer and uh, forgot about it and it exploded. <laughs> I've, uh, here's the thing. I've done that multiple times in my life. I was going to text you that you're banned from putting glass in the freezer. That's fair. That's fair. I, you know what? That's completely fair. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about it. And, you know, when I have a uh, party of one party up in this house, things get wild. You, you need like an ice bucket or something, you know, like one of those champagne Challenge? Yeah, I was about to say it. Or that, I mean. <laughs> I think it's too cold now, but... Um, just stick your soda in some ice. I don't know. I, yeah, I definitely need to do that because that was that was all bad, and that ruined a, a, a perfect uh, mandarin flavored soda. Shame. Never Shame gonna on you. <laughs> Joining us on the show this week is the Adams family. No, we're not putting in the music. Told you guys I had your back. Not gonna do that. <laughs> Russell's not here, so um, no, all we, the. Uh, I you should have some spooky sounds though. Um, so. Oksana, you and Russ uh, saw this movie a few weeks ago, and we actually talk about this in the intro um, of, of how the uh, these guys got on our radar. Uh, but you guys watched this movie, and then you realized, wait a minute, they're all a family. And so um, the movie that we watched was The Deeper You Dig. It's available on Shutter now. Please, stop what you're doing right now. Go watch The Deeper You Dig. Then come back and listen to us talk for two hours about Borat. Then listen to the interview <laughs> at the end of the show. It's a it's a great film. Uh, it, we talked to John Adams, Zelda Adams, and Toby Poser. Uh, John is the um, husband and father. Toby is the mother and wife. And Zelda is the daughter. Because that's how that family dynamic works. You understand that? You know, she's well, she's only got one job. They've got two jobs. She's got one job. But she's also in Zoom school. Zoom school? Yeah, because she's a child. Oh, I thought you were talking about Toby. <laughs> no, Zelda. Um, yeah, they're also, they're the, uh, the basically the whole cast of The Deeper You Dig. Did I mess those names up? I may have messed the names up. Nope. Call back to Lauren Ashley Carter. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, let me tell you, this this was a great interview. Very excited uh, to um, to release this one. This one uh, was great. So please stay tuned for that. Watch the deeper you dig and enjoy that interview. But they also have. Sorry to cut you off. They mm-hmm. also have like four. Their other four movies are all on Amazon Prime. Check the. Oh, everything's on Prime now. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
So check that whole back catalog. Uh, we definitely are going to keep uh, tabs up with the Adams family because we are definitely um, excited about what they're doing next. And also, Arksama, you haven't heard it yet, but we may have sold them on the idea of making a found footage movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whispering into the microphone because that's called building suspense. <laughs> I think they could hand make over something. the Peabody right now. They could build. They could make something really cool. I think. All right, but speaking of things that have already been made and they may be cool, tell us about what we can see on video on demand uh, this week, or maybe in the theater. Ooh, we have a little bit of both. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, even though I don't think we can actually watch it, it might be just exclusively for our Canadian friends, is Blood in the Snow Film Festival. Okay which um, runs from October 28th to November 7th. Um, They are ending it with a movie that Russell talked about last week. Um, Oh my God, Come True. Mm -hmm. But they're also showing a lot of cool stuff. They do the pairing uh, of a feature with a short film. They have short blocks. Their entire lineup is at uh, bloodinthesnow.ca. That's .canada. Um, they've partnered with a streaming service that I tried really hard to find if it was available um, anywhere but Canada, but I think it might be GeoLock. But what we can see this Friday with early screenings on Thursday is Come Play. Oh. It's about a monster named Larry <laughs> that manifests itself through smartphones and mobile devices. It's based on a short... Ignore it. My computer's possessed by Satan. It's based on a short from 2017. They're both written and directed by Jacob Chase. Um, That's going to be out on, like I said, Friday. The Hallow's Eve. Um, That same day, Spell will be out in limited theaters and streaming. It's about... Let's see. The synopsis is, While flying to his father's funeral in Appalachia, Marquez, I think is how you pronounce it, loses control of the the plane carrying himself and his family. He awakens injured and trapped in Miss Eloise's attic. Um, It's from the same director who did Hush. Oh. But he's not the writer. Very interesting. (laughs) Um, So that will be out um, Friday the 30th in select theaters and also streaming. And then the day after Halloween, we have The Sweet Taste of Souls, which will be out um, streaming only. Okay. It's about four struggling musicians stop. (laughs) That was weird. Okay. It's um, about four struggling musicians who stop at a roadside cafe for a slice of pie and find themselves imprisoned in the deranged cafe owner's bizarre art collection. That is the most succinct uh, summation that you can have for this uh, batshit crazy movie. <laughs> um, That's all we can say. Yes. It's it's so strange. Send it to Randy. Okay. Randy, uh, would you watch it? Let's take bets on how much of it Randy Randy, watched. would you watch it? Would you watch it? Would you watch it, Randy? By the description, I would, yes. Okay, well, we'll give you a little time. It's nuts. Like, this is something I feel like you... Sh- you'll get more out of if you watch it with um, friends. Or... That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying. <laughs> He's staying safe, okay? I get it. We're awful. I know. But... Yeah, I say that every week. It's just... It's one of those movies that is... You just, like, cannot predict what's going to happen next. It's wild. Yeah. 
For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one, find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not any of my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hour is available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy? Uh, yeah, after this, I look forward to checking out The Deeper You Dig from the Adams Family. So, Fantastic. And also, if you listen to the intro, towards the end of the intro going into the interview, I talk about how I just purchased a ticket for The Empty Man to go see. Uh, Randy, you should know I've already refunded that <laughs> ticket. For the third time. Three times? That's the third time. Oh my God. Yeah. I bought a <laughs> ticket for four thirty-five today, and it's an hour and uh, 22 minutes away from screening, and I just don't feel it. No VOD so, options? <laughs> no VOD. I would VOD this right now. No, but we may have a secondary option. Illegal. <laughs> I may work on that right now. Because I, don't, I just don't want to leave the house today, Randy. I feel it. All right. For Randy Michael Stat, Russell John Fisher, Oksana Valeria Osachi, I'm Clark William Little. Until episode 218, stay funky. Oh, no. You don't like the nice. name? No. I dig it. <laughs> happy Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween, idiots. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Happy Halloween. Russell, have you ever had hookworms? Unfortunately, no. no. I've never had hookworms, but I've had ladder worms. Dude, if I had a rim shot on this soundboard, I would play it for they're, you. They're trick play football related worms. So, uh, Cece, uh, what kind of Halloween decorations you Cece? got in the dungeon? <laughs> have you ever been to my pizza joint? <laughs> All you can eat for $5. <laughs> It's very <laughs> high quality pizza. <laughs> what, you're you're avoiding the Halloween topic. What are you like a Jehovah's Witness or something? Halloween's not it's it's not the best time for me. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, it's not the best time. I I generally just stay in the basement. Um, I I I don't know if you know this, but I'm highly allergic to fructose and, and sucrose. <laughs> So candies and I'm also allergic to children. <laughs> That's a separate reason. We don't have to get into the legalities of that. All right. So Halloween's really a stressful time for me, and I would appreciate it uh, if we didn't talk about well, it. Well, this is our fucking Halloween episode. So get out of here. Okay. I, I, Randy, what's up? <laughs> don't talk to Randy. Leave. What's okay. up, CC? I've been to your pizza establishment <laughs> before. It's not nope. great. He he left. I kicked him out, Randy. I'm sorry. That's okay. Also, I don't think he owns that pizza company. So. I don't know, man. I, he could. I mean, have you been into a CC's? <laughs> like, if if a creepy Clark type of character owns CC's, I would I believe it. Um, I'd buy that for a dollar. We used to have a lot of advertisements <laughs> out here. And I, I remember 
we talked about it a bunch. I was like, oh, let's go to one. I could not find one in the Bay Area. I don't think they are. There at isn't one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Randy, you you know CCs because of your your many days on tour. Indeed, I think I've only ever been to one once, and I think that was probably the closest one, which I believe is in Arizona. Okay, you know what? CC sounds like a big Arizona hit. <laughs> Why? Because that's a they're, weird shot. Because they're, they're stupid in Arizona. Arizona is. Isn't it California Kitchen? Is Ari- that what I'm thinking of? Arizona is like the Alabama of the American West. I think we're talking about different things now. What are we there is a CeCe's Pizza in Corona, California, which is oh. pretty far from here. But, yeah. no, but what, is, what is the acronym there? Or is that initial? It's C-I-C-I. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking California Kitchen. No. CPK? Also, um, kitchen's with a K, buddy. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we got fuck? there. What am I thinking of? I don't, I don't know. know. Are you okay? How's yeah, your I don't finger? Know. It's oh, I think lame. we need to get your Rona test, bro. All right. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Fun day. It's, 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 these, uh, these Sunday records are fun, but, uh, generally, so we typically knock out the interview and then we do this intro and uh, we had a great interview today. So, uh, super excited for that. I could spell it right. I know. Too. I know. I don't know what that was. And I'm, you know, I'm energetic. I've got a lot of energy. I feel like my wits are about me. You were up early today. Spelling is not my strong suit. <laughs> you were up early. I made you watch, uh, made you list. watch something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, Everything always happens on Sunday and Monday, like right after we're done recording. Yeah. Church. Yeah. Tr- <laughs> you spell that with a K too, right? <laughs> now. Oh my God. Uh, what did we do on Sunday? I don't think we did anything actually. Last Sunday? Yeah. We absolutely did not oh, do anything. Y'all went, went to a show. Yeah. After we recorded, we went to um, the drive and drag Halloween thing. In the East Bay, and I'm not. I'm not going to DID. Talk. It's the first time I've done a like parking lot car thing. Not a huge fan. I will tell you. You've never been to the drive-in motion picture house? Oh yeah, but I mean, in the COVID era. Okay. Because it's weird. You're far away. You can't pack people in like you normally would. And now, I mean, Randy, you're a fan of the drive-in. Yeah, they're all right. Uh, I saw Tenet at the drive-in, and then I saw um, the Purge. Yeah, but those are movies. Uh, you also had Panic at the Disco, right? <laughs> Correct. Thank you. Imagine going to see like instead of a bar where a band's about to play, you're going to a drive-in. Yeah, and that's a, little a comedy show. Yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, um, Nate Bergazzi's doing that, and uh, Burt Kreischer. Burt Kreischer's coming to uh, Burlingame. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you gonna go? No. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, I think I probably would have had more fun than either of you because I had the opportunity to just like hang out in the car and drink. We're I like, think you oh. always have more fun than me or Clark. That's, <laughs> that is, that's fair. Okay. Ignorance is bliss. I, me and Randy are sometimes, uh, we're wary of fun. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, you, you need to measure your fun. I can't have 100% fun. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. Why, what, do you, what do you I have, have to, uh, 88 tops. I don't you, know. You need to have a ceiling with your I've fun. I've seen you have fun. I can have fun. 
but I, I, I got to cut it off. I think you just think of, you're too introspective about having fun. So while you're having fun, you like, you lower that rating. Do you want to know why? Because Randy and I were raised in the church. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. hundred percent. Is that G is that JC pressure? Yeah. Okay. My mom always guilted me for not being raised in the church and then blamed herself for that. Wait, she guilted <laughs> you? No, no. Well, she, she would be like, I should have taken you to church. Also, shout out, uh, I'm going to do a brief little plug here for something I'm conflicted about, but I ordered anyway. A24 has put out a tabletop game for the Green Knight release. It is $35, which is shockingly cheap for a tabletop box set. If you want to get it, get it now. It's still available. Okay. A, that's shockingly, I I would assume that's shockingly cheap for a tabletop game. But that's also shockingly cheap for the schlock that they've got on the A24 website. I know. Because they sell candles for $48. I think it's because they, they, mm, I know they got a lot of hipsters loving them, but I don't know if they have that, they knew, yeah, I don't know. I think they mismarketed it. Like, who's that for? Who the fuck is buying a tabletop game on A24? I didn't know Green Knight was A24. Yeah. Also, when is that even coming out? I don't know. Also, is it going to be a fantasy movie, or are we doing like a ghost story? But it's oh, my boy Dev Patel's in this. Yeah, David Lowry film. Look, related films, a ghost story. Oh, does, it's Lowry. Does that yep. mean they just uh, are gutting genres left and right? Uh, anyway, it's right, the same director as Ghost Story. So, so yeah, that's probably why it's related. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like medieval bullshit. Well, uh, you know, I do, and yeah. I'm worried there won't be any in there. I, if there's not a dragon, I'm down. Well, the Green Knight is a real tale. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'm oh, not going to so, get into uh, that. So, oh, so he cared about um, the environment? Well, it's an English like uh, folklore thing. What kind it's of fossil ghost. fuels were they burning? Oh, in God. Okay. Uh, anyway, the Green New Deal Dite? Thank you, uh, listener Ooh, Sam, uh, for uh, turning me on to that. He himself called it a hipster release, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, when you like metal and tabletop, uh, a lot of the hipster releases are usually pretty well done, and there's money. Where in the other cases you wouldn't find it, yeah. And anyway, um, on Monday I was super pumped to talk in the interview with the Adams family. No, no sound drop. Yes, uh, <laughs> we talked to them about like you know living together and trying to like hold back and save for like a performative art that they're a part of. And I think I fucked it up because on Monday when I was at work, uh, me and um, Eddie the Gamer Ghoul who stepped in for Randy. A couple of times, engineer the gamer ghoul. He said, who, "See you later." You know, I don't, uh, unless you watch Isolation, which we did last week in costume. God, it was a fucking train wreck. Um, you wouldn't know what Chris looks like. He's what? He's like six one, maybe. He's like kind of a big dude. Six one. He's he's six foot. Chris is five ten. No tops. No, he's not. Wait, why are you height shaming over here? He's not six two. Six uh, one. Maybe we'll say six foot. He we'll may be a pecker hair over six feet. <laughs> okay, he's a pecker hair over six feet. Anyway, uh, we were moving furniture for the uh, privileged rich people that we work for. And we were standing out in the curb. Now, mind you, um, oh, should I mention the street? Yeah, I got to. I don't give a fuck. We're on Sacramento. And uh, we're over by Sacramento, a couple blocks removed from Divisadero. And we're standing there. We're fucking tired. We just moved huge metal furniture, large wood tables. We're standing on the street. We're just waiting for the okay to leave. And a dude comes around the corner and fucking jump kicks a uh, rear view mirror on a parked car. And we don't say anything. Me and Chris are there. And I'm, I'm directly looking at this. Now, guy. when you say jump kick, 
Is this a front kick or like donkey kick? It's a right foot. No, he doesn't. He doesn't go uh, horizontal. He just jumps in the air and kicks it with his right foot. It's actually kind of a dramatic, like lame. Not a roundhouse. No, it wasn't cool in any way. Yeah. It was very angry though. Yeah. And he yelled and was just saying obscenities. Then he turned and we locked eyes. And I, you know, I had a mask on. I feel a little bit more bold wearing a mask. I was just looking at him. I'm like, please don't bring this shit down here. Like, don't walk down towards us. I mean, Chris look at each other and we're like, oh, we can have to deal with this. This is going to be a situation. So the guy, he stands there, he's locked eyes with me and he goes, I don't know, fucking, uh, and he crosses the street. And I went, oh, okay, good, good choice. <laughs> like, I didn't want to have to deal with this. And honestly, I, I think if we called the police for a, a rear view mirror, they probably wouldn't show up in San Francisco anyway. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's Tuesday. So he crosses the street and he gets in a red Tesla and we're like, oh, Okay, this is a very different picture we're painting here. I what did he just lose his Fortune 500 company or something? Yeah. So I'm sitting in there and I'm like, dude, Chris, check this shit out. That guy got in that Tesla. And we're just like, uh, whatever. He pops his trunk. He gets out and he starts sh- digging around in there and I'm like, "Oh my god. This is dude going to have like a gun or like a weapon. I've already been in a situation like that. I don't want to revisit it." So I'm watching him, but I'm being careful not to make eye contact this time. Well, he doesn't take anything out. He bends over near a tree where they have a bunch of rocks like outlining the the dirt, picks up the big one right through a windshield. The car parked behind him. I went, oh, fuck. All right. So I just get on the phone. I start calling 911, picks up another rock, takes another step through another car windshield, picks up another one, starts walking up the stairs of a residential house, throws it on the front door. Then as he's walking back down, probably to get another rock, a car pulls into that driveway. Now there's a family, uh, takes a rock, throws it through their windshield. They turn around, back out, drive down the street. Oh, then he picks up, he picks up a traffic cone, starts beating another car. And I'm already on the phone with the dispatcher. They're like, yeah, we're going to get people out there. So then this dude realizes now here's something that I think is, it, I'm very ashamed of. We run a fucking found footage film festival. That- let me pause. Did yeah. you nine one one or you called the police directly? I did nine one one. I don't know okay. enough. Yeah, I don't know their non emergency line. Gotcha. But that was the initial thing where I'm like, I'm not going to call nine one one for him kicking the rear yeah. view. But after he put that thing through there, I'm like, this is probably going to escalate into a fight or something. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, but I got bummed out because I'm here on the phone and I have this moment of clarity, and everybody on the fucking street is filming him, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Why? I had a flashback to when our house was going to explode. And I remember the dude with the propane tank. (laughs) And we stood there on the street and we're just like, check this guy out. And we're just like riffing on him. And then we're like, why didn't we film that? What the fuck is wrong? So here I am again. And now I'm kind of like annoyed. I'm just like, it's not my instinct. I don't think about it. And honestly, we could have cut that into a fucking short film or, you know what I mean? We could have made some narrative up. Anyway, long story short, the dude realizes that everybody and their mother is now filming them. The lady who lived in that house is following him. So I'm like, okay, fuck this. Me and Chris start following him down the street. We go down. We hook a ride on Divisadero. She jumps in a car. I don't know who's driving that car. It's kind of chaos. The police aren't there. He makes a right. Chris uh, goes back to the store because I'm like, hey, you should go there and tell the police like he turned down Divisadero like when they show up. So I'm trailing this dude for a while. He ducks into a pizza place, comes back out looking around. He didn't see me. Nobody else was following him. Goes down two more uh, blocks. Did he get a slice? No. Mm. 
uh, but he started stripping. And that's when I went, okay, I got to stop. Because he, was there music playing? Well, because I had given his description on the phone, and now he was shedding it. He uh, took his hat off. He took his long sleeve off. And I'm like, now he's in a beater, and he looks like just like any other. Like, oh, Also, I should be clear. Clean-shaven dude. Didn't look particularly dirty. So when he first popped out, I didn't think he was like a homeless dude that was having like a manic episode or anything. How big a boy are we talking? No, oh, he's short. He was like five, five or something. I don't okay. know. He wasn't uh, huge. Russell, let me pause real quick. I, uh, Randy, what were you doing on Monday? <laughs> uh, I was in Idaho. I don't remember exactly what I was doing. Okay, all right. Yeah, Nothing too throwing, exciting. I, I just needed your alibi. He was Thank throwing you. axes in Idaho. He wasn't yes. out here. Um, but yeah, he started shedding this shit. So I went, okay, fuck. And started crossing the street. And I was back on the phone. Chris called me. And he was like, hey, uh, they're here. Where are you at? And uh, the dude notices me. And, and he was just like, I, he called me like fat or something. He's like, hey, f- fuck you, fat. It was like some, Fuck you fat. It was something like that. And I just went, hey, man, f-, like I just started on. I don't remember what I said. I had like one of those. It like, was just adrenaline. Yeah. Well, it was so like over it. And the only reason I followed him, just to be clear. On Twitter? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your tag? <laughs> um, no, because the family, they had, there was a kid in the car. And one of the radio shows I listened to, they had an encounter where uh, a homeless gentleman came up to their outdoor eating experience and told his children that he was going to kill both the parents and then rape them. Oh. And he went to jail. But the the dude on the radio show always talked about not having closure there. And I'm like, the family that just pulled in that driveway had returned from vacation. Oh, and this was how they got greeted. And I was just like, I got to tell them Welcome that this guy got arrested. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'm going to follow him. And then when he started yelling at me, I was just like, fuck you, mother. Like, so I started crossing the street. I'm like, I'm, I'm over it. At that moment, three cop cars came around the corner. A six foot four dude, not exaggerating there, with a very bright orange shotgun, was the first on the ground. He cocked the shotgun with one hand and said, Get on the goddamn ground. And the dude just dropped. Yeah, and I took a picture of him and I went, Okay, I'm I'm leaving now. The one handed shotgun pump is uh, dude, very important. It was very intimidating. And then I instantly started having feelings of like, oh my God, these fucking police are so like terrifying it was orange it was bright orange Tight. it was so orange that it had uh um, crossed over from like this is a nerf gun to this is a very serious gun that- do, you, do you think it was um a beanbag gun might have been that yeah. was my initial thought yeah but the dude the, just the way he was acting it felt like he knew he wasn't gonna shoot that thing big barrel oh uh, i don't know i i briefly i was so ready to like cut out also i was on the clock and uh our manager is a little bit of a you know what the fuck are you doing type yeah and uh i was very conscious well, like you should tell her hey i'm cleaning the streets I didn't, <laughs> didn't fucking matter the next day she was guilting us for being gone so long and i was like should i play the like i chased a fucking dude down the street card and i didn't but th- that's just who i'm dealing with Oh, so she has no idea no she knew i called oh, okay. her i i this is how conscious i was i called her while i was trailing the guy i said hey i just want to let you know i'm following a dude that's been breaking windshields on a divisadero i'm gonna be a little late yeah didn't help anyway yeah. i i had i had held that story and i remember i came back and i was just like i had that like adrenaline buzz going and i was like i can't tell you I got to save it. But then, you know, a week later. Yeah. Now, a week ago. If I hadn't have taken all these notes. Oh, I think I nailed it. No. Okay. There was one thing they did. They questioned me and I, I'm uh, you know, very talented at talking. 
having uh, done the show with Clark for four years. So I sat around and let all these people fail at articulating the events as they occurred. So they threw me in the car and they're like, okay, we're going to drive, uh, we're going to drive you down. And you're going to identify them. I'm like, whoa, you're taking me to a lineup. I was like, what do you have actors? Like just waiting? Like look. And she was like, no, it's not a lineup. It's, it's a, uh, what did she call it? It was a cold, a cold look, cold look or something. And she was like, don't worry. He can't see you back here. And I'm like, I'm not worried. This guy's like little fucking shrimp motherfucker. We drove by. And then is that him? I was like, yeah, I got a picture of him. I followed him all the way here. And then she said to email her and she never followed up. So yeah, that happened on Monday. What else did we do? Uh, we saw a sweet ass movie, bro. Yeah. And then we went to the fucking movies after that. Cause you're like, Hey, want to watch a three hour Korean film? Yeah. Anyway, this is Halloween. We need a we need a palate cleanser. Uh, what's a good palate cleanser? Not, I got it. Not Cobra. Not Cobra. No, we're gonna do this one. Uh, I'm gonna bring up a Conan O'Brien interview with our good friend Kesha to set up another clip. Okay. Have you slept with a ghost? I did. Go to the Bone Zone with a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want like? Do you want details? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I only left that in because it's so reminiscent of when you do that, Clark. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had never heard that before. Yeah. No, I know. I know all about the Kesha. No, you don't. Randy did. Randy's like, oh, I like, know about Kesha. Kesha fucking ghost. TikTok on the clock. Now, Jagger. Okay. <laughs> that had spiraled out conspiracy theories for a long time. Like you would hear a bunch of uh people locked up in their bunker talking about how she wants like human teeth and she was going to make them for a ritual and uh, she was fucking ghost and they turned into snakes and shit. Anyway, a week ago, a lady popped up who had married a spirit. Mm. Yeah. And now I, I had a hard time cutting around this one because she's clearly on a show in the UK that their goal was to exploit her. Oh, hello. Yeah. And it's kind of weird like, I'm not used to, like, the view being so on the nose that they're like, yeah, we know what this is. Anyway, um, she talks. So it's about, salacious. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little uh, murky and I ugly. Would- now, I have, a, I have a little part of this clip that you have to hear, and then I'll explain it after. I don't want to give anything away. Okay. Here we go. So now we've called a wedding off. Um, it was going really well until we went on holiday. And that was about last May. And then he just completely changed and just became So I think maybe he fell in with a bad crowd when we were on holiday. He kind of, he just started becoming really inconsiderate. He'd disappear for long periods of time. He'd, when he did come back, he'd bring other spirits back to the house and they'd just stay around for days. So, yeah. So this was was Thailand you you took him to, wasn't it? (laughs) On holiday to Thailand. Yeah. And uh, and so was there any explanation as to the to the people that he was bringing back with him? Because you thought he got into sort of drink and drugs. Now, he, just to clarify, they got a divorce <laughs> and they went on a trip. So, to- so when you say they, <laughs> it's her in the spirit. Okay, it's a ghost. A ghost. Also, for all of our listeners, uh, this is an attractive girl. <laughs> she's cute. Yeah, she's she's a pretty blonde lady. And, um, you know, they went to Thailand and uh, he fell in with the wrong crowd. Uh, <laughs> here, a little bit more. 
Yeah, I think maybe he started doing drugs and partying a bit much. It's like, he used to come back. His spirits would stay for days at a time and they'd be like crashing and banging, strange noises. So, so when, um, when, you say, when you say he was doing drink and drugs, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people think, well, how is that, how is that possible? How does, a, <laughs> how does a, a ghost do drugs? Um, and, and was he partying in the spirit world or was he partying in this world? See, there's my problem. These two, they clearly know that they're dealing with somebody who's not well and has a um, a very hard story to swallow, but they're not like we might have guests on here that we think are a little like uh, touched, uh, a little blessed and highly favored, but we don't we don't want to shit on them or anything. It's like come as people. This guy's clearly being condescending and. Well, it's a slippery slope because, all right, look at the production of the show. This is clearly like a a, a breakfast show. Yeah, it's a morning. You know, yeah. and they they want to keep things light most of the time with these with these morning shows, and then they want to delve sort of into serious topics because these are journalists that they this is this is not <laughs> what they want their final stop to be. This wasn't their dream. <laughs> I don't think so. In a lot of cases, and so they're trying to. Uh, color outside the lines from time to I time. I like that. And <sighs> I'm telling you, if if I were in their shoes, I would have said no to the story. Well, she's a return guest. They had her on originally when she was talking about marrying the ghost. Actually, she appeared on the show with the ghost. Yeah, I, I think. No, that- hold on. She appeared on the show with the ghost. Well, you bury in the lead, brother. Why didn't we no, see because that one? There's, it's no good. And this was only two weeks ago. She can, this is new. So what you're saying is she's single. <laughs> I'm so, telling you, she's cute. Yeah. The cute ones are always the crazy send ones. This, send this link to Randy. Randy, a sign off on this. I do. And um, here, I actually pulled another clip. This is kind of a lengthy interview. It's eight minutes long. Too long. We're not fucking with that. No. There was another little tidbit that I thought was worth uh, bringing the up. The Halloween gauntlet. Here. Oh, no. It's, it's very topical. You said another thing that fascinated me. Um, it's the fact that to ghosts uh, during these COVID-19 times, ghosts have to socially distance too. <laughs> and so what are they, are frightened of dying? <laughs> no, of course not. But I think they'd get ill, just as we would. So ghosts can get ill? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. See what I mean? That is clear punching down. Well, also, I'm glad that things like this exist uh, for our friends in Britain, because I feel like that we're the butt of many jokes over here in the US of A. I know. Y'all got some stupid shit, too. So we're all in this bullshit boat together, baby. But dude, he followed up with, what are they afraid of dying? It's like, that's a, ooh, that, it's like if you had said that to a guest on here, I would... visually cringe i would be like oh my god i'd have a mini panic attack it's right there you gotta do it it's brutal um yeah i don't know i'm gonna put again all the videos we throw them up on the uh the show notes what's this girl's name i got a question her name after amethyst 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 realm okay i am out (laughs) (laughs) well the ghost was named ray that's a pretty So like, dude, I you know maybe I'll dig up the video of when they first appeared, but she's sitting next to an empty chair. And they're like, How do we know he's here? And she's like, Oh, he's here. 
I'm like, how do you know? I can feel him. It's like, all right, what are we, what are we doing? Why are you God, giving this girl I tell you what, I wish we had footage of that uh, ghost party orgy she was talking about in the happening right? in Portugal. Dude, you bringing ghost back home and getting drunk and doing drugs. All right, let's. Uh, are you, right. you going to play this? Bro? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is Halloween, so the the reason I didn't play that last week when it actually happened was, you know, it's ghost. We're, we have ghost tales, and I know Randy, uh, growing up in a strict uh, Christian home, probably didn't sit around telling ghost stories very often. <laughs> Right, Randy? Not too often, no. Well, I found somebody that would be right up your alley. Uh, he's actually right up the show's alley. Uh, he's got 86 views on this video. Also, that ghost one only had 71,000. So people don't know about her either. We need to get her out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, we found a... Uh, Are you going to give his uh, username? How do you describe him? Uh, Evan Keaton. He's a bro, right? He's a bro. He's a bro. He's got a Yankees plaque on the wall. He is both a Yankees and a Lakers fan. Yeah. The, so he doesn't know what he is. Yeah, he he's a flag in the wind. I'm telling you, I've seen I've seen no more than three minutes total of this gentleman. I can tell you right now, he has severe identity problems. Oh yeah. Also, when uh, you find out what the hell he's talking about. Now I don't know if we should even intro it. We'll just say it's a ghost story. I think he does a good job of a. Uh, Summing it up. Yeah, let's do it. Um, here we go. Let me find. Here we go. Today I'm taking a break from the sports, and since it's Halloween time, we're going to be doing some Halloween conspiracies. Basically, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go through all of it just by myself. I'm actually going to read you some. There's actually about four or five of them. He's I drinking water really, right really there. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to read them, and I'm going to say if I think they're legit or if not it's just conspiracy so <laughs> starting off number one we got demon cat <laughs> cats are usually the traditional halloween animal that people of all ages love to dress up as <laughs> well according to the, some legends there is a ghost of a cat that haunts the government buildings in washington dc <laughs> allegedly demon cat dc shows up before presidential elections and tragedies within Washington, D.C., and was seen by White House security staff a few nights before JFK and Abraham Lincoln were assassinated. Oh, oh shit, Describe it as any other house cat, but would grow into the size of a tiger when altered. The legend of D.C. still remains to this day. So if you're in Washington, D.C. area before the, this presidential election is over, then you may want to reconsider interacting with any cats. Personally... <laughs> This is very compelling to believe would be true, but I don't know, man. The part about it, Demon Cat, DC, I don't know. I feel like this is too made up, but if people see this cat out of nowhere and just around times of like election all the time and before Kennedy and Lincoln were assassinated, that's a bit creepy. I'm on the fence about this one. I'll let you guys know. I'll let you guys know at the end. (laughs) Ooh, our first of a... Three tales of terror, Randy. How scared of you are? How scared of you? Pretty, pretty scared. You know, I don't like cats mostly because I'm very allergic to them. So, uh, yeah, if a demon cat showed up at my doorstep, I'd, I'd be, I'd be shaking in my boots. All right, is this a true tale of terror or is it a Halloween conspiracy? <laughs> now, you, uh, we should say that uh, he did say at the beginning. Um, we should provide a little bit more context that he is taking a break from, from yeah. his normal <laughs> sports conspiracy theory show, which I'll dig up. 
I, I, I didn't have time today, but what the fuck is he talking about there? I mean, a lot of people love talking about LeBron being in the Illuminati, yeah. but I feel like that's almost too coherent for him. Well, he is a Lakers fan, as he, we know. He is a Lakers fan. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll have more from Evan in a minute. Um, because it was Halloween, and I knew none of us had watched any Halloween films yet, although the deeper you dig, that counts. Um, I really I wanted to bring one of our uh, traditional films onto the show. And since we're doing clips, the obvious was going to be uh, our, our, our favorite dynamic duo, uh, now, Bone Daddy and Spinner. Now, Will, I will say, yes, that Bone Daddy and Spinner are from a film called Pumpkin Carver. That Russell, you play every Halloween. Yeah. Now, are we gonna have? Uh... Yeah, we'll probably do it again. Okay. Well, we, we were talking about doing a live stream on on fucking Halloween. I'm like, why? I want to watch Halloween films, and I want to carve pumpkins. And now, wh- what are some of the other Halloween uh, movies that you throw in the mix? Really, the only two that I ever count on are Pumpkin Carver and Satan's Little Helper. Satan's Little Helper is <laughs> my favorite. I mean, I used to do Halloween. I mean how original am i being there not that it's about that but it's like i don't know Those randy, two- randy did you come over last year to the pumpkin carving thing no i don't think i've ever been to the pumpkin carving celebration yeah i think randy would have fun with those i ones. think you would well i mean like all of the things we do at this house there, there's an option to participate and an option to just go watch a movie and be left alone uh randy in the pumpkin carver we have um oh what's that girl's name Oh, I have no idea. The only famous girl that's in it. It's not Misha Barton. It's it's uh, not Misha. It's too Pumpkin it's, Carver came out in like two thousand. It's the other one that's in uh, Friday Night Lights. What's her name? Oh yeah, that's why I couldn't. I can't pull that name. Also, one of the things about Pumpkin Carver, I seem to forget what the movie's about every year. So it's it's almost like I get to open up a new package every Halloween. Are you still looking it up? I'm about to find it right now. All right, our clip actually is not of um. Bone Daddy and Spinner, though. I Minka Kelly. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. Randy? No. No idea. <laughs> All right. You called it, though, and that's cool. You're like, oh, it's that girl. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck. She, Minka, she, Minka. She looks very 90s in that movie, right? Oh, yeah. Like she walked out of Blossom or yeah. something. Anyway, uh, I pulled a clip for probably my actual favorite character of the film. He plays the don't go over there there's a death curse guy he he's the um the harbinger yeah he's that trope and the movie what i do remember is about a uh a carver and we're not talking benji carver from another home <laughs> thank you so much we're talking pumpkin carver and there's a theme in here that there are good and bad pumpkin carvers and um here we get to hear the old man tell who, who he thinks is going to be this prophetic pumpkin carver or he just says carver yeah he he's issuing them in so uh here's uh our second tale of terror <laughs> on our halloween episode thank you that when i was no bigger than this evil carver who worked for my daddy broke into our house watched as my mom and daddy slept i heard their screams <laughs> I hid under the bed. After about two hours hiding, I heard him carrying on downstairs. Watched him drinking my dead daddy's sour mash. <laughs> now I could have called the police. 
Instead, I tiptoed up him like a mouse sneaking cheese. And I took his own blade. And I stuck it in his gullet, <laughs> carving his insides, digging his heart. He threw back his head and howled like a wounded coyote. Black juice spitting all over me every time I dug deeper into his flesh. And I knew. I knew what evil was. <laughs> kind of evil comes around this time of year. Looking for carvings. Looking for blood. I think I need to go. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, boy? Decent carvers turn sour like weak old milk. Only way to get rid of that evil is to dig it out with its own blade. Got to dig deep like a oil man tapping a find. And you watch the evil slop out of his soul like Texas tea. <laughs> the deeper you dig. I didn't even think of that tie-in right there. As long. It's dude, it's so good. And you know, I actually cut a lot of it out because the whole setup with that guy is so fucking bizarre. That movie is it's oh that's like a what? The end of act one. It's only just starting. I've to get, only seen it one time and that was a year ago. And do you remember any no. of it? No. Dude, I never remember any of it either. It's good though. It's it's fun to relive it every Halloween. No, it's no Satan's little help. Now a very different kind of movie, but very I think different. they play the same kind of role. They do. Where it, we're dealing with weird indie films that um, we maybe appreciate in the wrong way. Although Pumpkin Car, or, um, Satan's Little Helper actually has some like critical fans there, but I don't know. Well, because it's from um, the guy, uh, he did uh, Blue Sunshine. And? Yeah. What was the other one? It's one of your nightmares. Google it. You'll you'll find it on IMDb. One of my nightmares. Yeah, what's what's one of the fears you've talked about on the show multiple times? Commitment. <laughs> <laughs> That's an issue. One of your fears, your nightmares. Spiders. No, oh, he's not a spider guy, dude. I hate spiders. You know what? And I hate this house. Snakes. I hate ar- arachnids too. After living here for a year, you fucking get used to it. Remote control. No. Just before dawn. No. Squirm. There you go. You, you you don't know the film? No, what's squirm? What's it rhyme with? Worm. I'm fine with worms. What? I thought you were you hated wriggly worms and who? Have we met? I thought there was like a dog that had his rib cage. Oh no 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 no! It's just a reminder of our mortality. Exactly. My I had um. Oh, you can't even commit to your nightmares, my dude. Turtle, my turtle. <laughs> no 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 no! This is a misappropriation. Okay. This is a misappropriation. I'm fine with worms. It's just, you know, I do have flashbacks of the, uh, flipping that turtle over and his corpse just being riddled with worms. Well, and I'm five years old. Maybe it um, was disturbing. Maybe having a dump truck dump a mound of worms to be filmed. And then when they stop wriggling, you take a cattle prod and shock the mound and dump water on them to get them. Yeah, that's what they did in that film. Which now there's no fucking way you can do it now. Is that cool? Well, it depends on if you give a shit about a worm. Yeah. Randy, where are you at on worm life? Uh, They're pretty gross. I'm not not down. Ooh. They're kind of spooky. Yeah. I don't know. I feel weird about it. Like, I I know bait and tackle shit. You put a worm on a hook and you throw it in the water and 
I grew up putting worms on hooks, baby. Yeah, but something about having hundreds of them in a mound and then dumping water on them and shocking them with the cattle prod. I was seems- better with worms and um, actually I was okay with crickets, but crickets are <sighs> the transportation of crickets because <laughs> I grew up fishing. So I would, I would, I, I, we would always have, uh, there were a couple of different bait shops I would go to. Uh, to either get the worms or the crickets, and the crickets were always a, a trickier venture because if they got loose in the car, oh yeah, it's bad times. Crickets aren't—they're not a very intimidating bug, though. No, but they're annoying. If I was gonna pick up a bug off this table and eat it, if it were alive, I think it, I'd pick a cricket. You go cricket? Well, I'm not going roach. I can tell no, you that. No, fuck no. Antennae grossed me ant. the fuck out. Give me an ant. Oh, but that's a cop out. Hell, what? What if we—they had to be the same volume? Like, if you needed to have a enough ants to build a cockroach <laughs> okay so <laughs> let's go let's go um cricket okay what about a ladybug what's a beetle man it's it's a ladybug is the squirrel of the insect world where the it's like squirrel yeah because squirrels are rats with the pretty tail yeah yeah and they get a pass and it's like that ladybug That's is true. a fucking flying beetle but you know it's got dots so people yeah. don't give a shit yeah but it could add, add a nice texture also, uh, I watch a lot of survival shows. Yeah. If a bug isn't scared of you and they trot around slowly, it's because they know when you eat them, it's going to taste terrible or poisonous. So beetles don't give a fuck. Don't eat a beetle. Beetles no good? Nah, go cricket. I have thought a lot about this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. And we got, uh, we got one more scary story for Randy. We, uh, we're bringing back our favorite Evan, who um, has a, yet another Halloween conspiracy theory. There we go. All right. This one called It's the Great Big Pumpkin Charlie Brown. (laughs) This classic Halloween movie brings back feelings of excitement and childhood joy to most of us. But this peanut special has a dark side to it, a conspiracy that will make you rethink your childhood. According to some theories, the Great Big Pumpkin is a vengeful god who killed all the trick-or-treaters' parents. This is due to the lack of parents within Charlie Brown. And since the show is all about children, some brows were raised. Whether or not the children's parents are dead or not, or if the great big pumpkin really did kill them, this is a Halloween classic. That would explain so much of why their parents are gone. I think that one's true. I'm going to say that one's true. That's my first true. I'm still on the fence about the first one. The first one was just, I don't even know, man. (laughs) So DC cat, and we don't know. DC cat. The pumpkin, that's true. Evan Keaton says it's true. Also... Evan, uh, by the where I pulled that the pumpkin one, I think we're like two minutes into an eight minute video. So if you want to hear more of Evan's Halloween conspiracy theories, I'm definitely going to throw that up on the website. All right, thank you, Evan. Yeah, bye, Evan. All right, Randy, Michael, Stat. Yes, sir. I believe you've got a couple of different horror pictures for us which is interesting because i don't think russell or i have a single horror movie to talk i got one oh you got mine i've just been but i forgot about it because i'm terrified of it all right (laughs) did you forget about dre as well never (laughs) did you forget the alamo i learned something about tupac shakur recently that was very political and i told myself i wouldn't bring it up oh that uh uh, kamala harris he's the best rapper uh the best living rapper Oh, oh, I heard that. Yeah. All right. I'm not. No, no. I'm, I'm so tempted to bring it up. I'm not going to. Okay. All right, Randy. Randy. Uh, yeah. Also, just to mention, uh, to get into the Halloween spirit, I also 
through axes when I was in Boise. So I'm getting in the in the slasher mood there. Randy, I saw a little a snippet of your axe throwing. Not too bad. The form was not as terrible. Yeah. So how how did that feel? Did you like that uh, activity? I did actually. I was uh I don't know. I was I was questioning it beforehand, but uh it was pretty easy to to get down. Took like maybe five throws or something before I started like actually getting them to stick. And uh, yeah, it's fun. You know, you get you get food and you get booze and then you throw axes. Uh, all it took was a quarantine for you to be social. <laughs> this is like the most <laughs> social thing I've done in seven months. Yeah. <laughs> now, Randy, how, how was the rest of the uh, Boise trip? Uh, it was pretty good. The, you know, it was nice and uh, actu- actually looked like fall there. You know, their trees have different colors and leaves are falling and the weather was nice and yeah it was cool did um what's uh what's some good cuisine out there in boise idaho what do you have anything good to eat uh i mostly just ate like pub food just like burgers and stuff like that but i mean it was all good but yeah just a lot of a lot of burgers and fried food and beer big beer town Well, there's they're working people up there, Randy. So it's working class. You understand? They gotta have some sustenance to be out there. <laughs> Y'all are planting me... potatoes. Stop talking about food. <laughs> I'm hungry. Are you? Is this your fast day? Yeah. But th- oh, that's shit. on you for being lame. I know. But y- y'all are doing a good job of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm not good at describing is movies, which is what I'm about to do right now. Excellent segue. Continue. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, on Thursday, which was my official 32nd birthday, I spent time... Happy belated, by the way. Thank you. I did wish you day of. Yeah. Did yeah. wish you day of? Also, he texted me like he's my fucking mom and said, can you wish Randy a happy birthday? Who did? <laughs> you did. I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I told you after. I told you after. And you were like, oh, yeah, we already talked about it on the show. I just wanted to make sure nah. that you remembered someone else's birthday because you forgot mine. Thank you. Very <laughs> no. You know, why, you know why I don't know birthdays? Because <laughs> I unplugged from Facebook. Same. That was, that was really the... <laughs> you should know your yep. friend's birthdays. Thank you very much. Randy, boy in the door. The Boy Behind the Door uh, <laughs> is a movie. Yeah, so Thursday I watched uh, a couple shorts and a couple features from AFI Fest, uh, which is over as of today. But uh, yeah, they had a bunch of good stuff. I think that was the last day that the festival was running. Uh, but I watched The Boy Behind the Door, uh, which is a movie uh, featuring two kids, uh, one played by Lonnie Chavis and another by Ezra Dewey. Uh, in the beginning of the movie... Starts off, uh, you essentially are seeing one of them is uh, in the trunk of a car. Uh, so it starts off, you know, pretty uh, pretty harrowing already. And then it kind of does a little flashback to a couple hours earlier. Uh, and it shows these two characters, uh, Bobby and Kevin, um, hanging out, uh, sort of talking about uh, leaving wherever they're from, which I don't remember, and going to California. They're like, you know, little kids, but... Uh, you know, they got they got dreams of leaving where they are. Uh, but yeah, they are kidnapped, uh, essentially. And Bobby is in the trunk of a car and Kevin uh, is elsewhere inside this house. Um, Wait, so are they like runaways or are they just out on the road alone? Where are the parents at? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Maybe they got <laughs> killed by a pumpkin. Oh, um, hell yeah. But no, I think they were just like hanging out like somewhere near their house. And then it's kind of like a woodsy area. 
uh, and they just got kidnapped. Um, happens. So, yeah. Um, Bobby uh, kicks his way out of this trunk um, and he finds, you know, he's in the middle of nowhere, essentially, uh, and he's about to escape, but then he hears Kevin, uh, his friend, uh, screaming so he can tell that he's, like, inside an adjacent house. Uh, so he finds him, and then he finds, you know, the the captors um, of him and his friend. And, uh, yeah, it's a it's pretty dark movie. Um, but the kids in this movie, they're I think they're probably, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm bad at judging kids' ages, but they're both very young, but they're both both very, very good uh, in Rain, this movie. They could cause some trouble. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they both completely sell all the emotions they have to go through in this movie. Um, like I said, it's a, it's kind of dark, but um, yeah, it's good. I, I'd recommend it. They do look particularly young. Yeah. Kind and of. there was also a, a Q and a afterwards. And it's also that thing of you watching. <laughs> yeah. You're watching kids <laughs> talk about just like, you know, talk very professionally about things that like, it almost seems weird that they're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, like um, CC Pizzagate. Yeah, before they <laughs> snort cocaine and yeah, these you know, child actors, man. Well, I guy. remember that kid from It when he was uh, doing the Q and A for um, that movie. I like that everybody hate the Lodge. The Lodge. He was and he was up there and he was just like, you know, I really didn't want to take another horror movie because you know people's careers end up getting stuck there. And it was like, oh god, like I I don't uh, disagree with him, but just hearing him talk about it was like. Still haven't seen the watch. Somebody's robbed you of your childhood. I like everybody fucking hates the movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. There's a great found footage vignette in there. Just a callback to that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I started watching it and then Alicia Silverstone killed herself. And I said, no, thank you. She's in it. Yeah. She kills herself at the beginning. Spoiler. I love Alicia (laughs) Silverstone from that music. San Mateo, California. Oh, Oh yeah, that's right. Thank you so much. Uh, something else I saw that wasn't at AFI Fest, but is now on Hulu is Bad Hair, uh, directed by Justin Simeon. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Russell, I'm you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> so, you know, before the show, we, we, <laughs> we get everything ready. I pulled up a movie called Bad Hair Day from uh, 2015. Which is a TVG rated <laughs> film from 2015, a buddy comedy about a high school tech whiz <laughs> whose prom day abruptly ships into a wild ride across town thanks to a down owner luck cop and a jewel thief. All right. This is a Disney channel. You pulled up a Disney That movie. sounds pretty good, too, though. Dude, <laughs> let's watch it. That'll, that'll be for next week. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Randy. We had to stop you there because I, I, Clark's face lo- it looked like it was like turning red and about to explode. So we had to just, like <laughs> let it go. Okay. Bad Hair Day. It's a much better poster. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bad Hair is directed by Justin Simeon, who did bad hair. Uh, Dear White People in like a couple of years ago, maybe four or five yeah. years ago, which I never actually saw, but I heard uh, pretty good things about it. It was addressed to you. that's why i didn't watch it it was too real um yeah this movie features the main character uh her name is anna bloodsoe played by l lorraine uh the plot of the movie i'm gonna read from letterboxd is uh in 1989 ambitious young women get to weave in order to succeed in the image obsessed world of music television however her flourishing career 
may come at a great cost when she realizes that her uh, new hair may have a mind of its own. Uh, so this is a, I would say, a comedy horror movie. Uh, it is more of a satire and horror or and comedy than it is horror. Um, but there are definite horror elements and kind of gross stuff uh, if hair is weird to you. Hair's weird. <laughs> um, but there's some pretty cool effects in it. Um, you know, you could tell that s- some, if not a lot of it, is CG, but I don't know. It was so um, sort of like bonkers of a premise that I was kind of okay with it, like just, you know, really going for uh, the sort of killer hair um, that she gets. Um, so yeah, the you know the hair uh, likes blood, and it uh, sort of takes takes over um, every once in a while. And um, yeah, it's it's good. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, "Sorry to Bother You," just the like satirical elements of like this office of the uh, music television um, world and all that. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's good. I gave it a three on Letterbox. I didn't love it, but. Um, I heard a lot about it. I think it's been playing festivals and stuff and, uh, wanted to give it a shot. So it's, it's like a haunted artifact movie. Yeah. So there's some lore that goes into the hair, uh, that she gets put in. Um, yeah. So I don't want to spoil anything there, but I love that. That's why I loved Oculus. Well, I mean, Oculus is just great anyway, but I love the like lore of an object Mm -hmm. as a materialist myself. I, I, I don't know. I fucking... They're so kind of like campy kind of, I don't campy. Yeah. I hate that fucking word, but they're so like, I don't know. This is a spooky story, but I just, I like the world building that goes on in those films. Yeah. And I was misspelling barbarian sound studio up there because I was trying to pull the name um, in fabric from uh, Peter, yeah. Strickland, which was, I don't know. Uh, looking at the um, images on IMDb, dude, it looks like it was beautifully shot too. Yeah, there was, segments that looked like it was shot on film i didn't actually look into if it was or not but um no it looks it looks really good too oh and of course when i pulled it up so that we uh me and clark could look at it again i pulled up bad hair day <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, it's probably on uh disney now oh i disney plus as i was called <laughs> yeah, <I think> so. <laughs> everything is plus now all right yeah including my pant size wait randy had, oh it's on hulu Correct. It's on Hulu, yeah. I do yeah it's, a, it's a good uh, satire and good, uh, you know, just sort of commentary on uh, things that people have to do to sort of get by in sort of corporate environments, and especially uh, women, and especially women of color. So uh, very relevant, and uh, but yeah, also is kind of goofy, and uh, yeah, has some pretty wild horror stuff in it. Uh, is it a good Halloween film? Uh yeah, I think so. I don't know. I mean, it's not like Halloweeny, but I mean, it was a uh, it was a fun, good, <laughs> better than Huey Halloween. <laughs> Are there pumpkins? I don't think there's any pumpkins now. Uh, that's a rule. You got to have a jack o' lantern. Got to. Uh, Wait, you want to talk about Hubby Halloween? No, it, we I never talked about I it. Saw it. What? What the fuck? I watched forty minutes of it. You bitched out on it. I just was busy. I watched <laughs> the peer pressure. You didn't finish it. I did. I watched the whole fucking thing. Oxana said y'all didn't finish it. And then we went back you and went finished it. You went back and yes. finished it? Okay. What the fuck? I'll finish it. You know, uh, Randy, what did you think of it? We could be very brief here. Uh, I thought it was perfectly just enjoyable and kind of dumb. But um, yeah, it's Adam Sandler doing his like lovable loser, like Waterboy voice again. And 
you know, Dude. to some people they don't dig that, but to me it was better than his like rom coms where he's just like on vacation with yeah. attractive people. One hundred percent. I like a I like a a character Sandler. And all the like production of just like the Halloween stuff of and the town yep. was just like fun to watch. Like I thought that movie I you know, I'm I'm so biased just on the holiday. I mm-hmm. loved all the decorations and everything. And you know, his his lovable cast of losers, I'm not a fan of, but now that they're all old, I kind of dig them. Basami? Basami yeah. was great. Basami, and then, but even um, that idiot that went to the same high school as me. What's his name? Surf Ninjas. Oh, uh, uh, Rob uh, Schneider. Schneider. Yeah, I think I've talked about it on here how we moved him out of his office before, and he had a wall full of pictures of him with <laughs> other. Yeah. Anyway, it's. I don't know. I, I was like, this is an easy watch for me. It's demanding nothing. I feel like I don't need to give it anything, which I. Dude, I feel that way about every movie. This one, though, I'm like, I'm, I don't fucking like you, Adam Sandler. Murder, but- murder mystery fell short. Uh, Sand- who- I like Sandy Wexler. <laughs> Who's that? You Which need one? to watch that. Randy, did you like Sandy Wexler? I can't a- say I did. It was also very long, I feel. Is that a movie? It was- All right, Sandy Wexler was long. I feel like Sandy Wexler was over two hours. Uh, Google that. I like 131 minutes. It's 131 minutes? Yep. Okay, hold on. Dude, it's two ten. Um, so Sandy, Gen- Sandy, I put Shandy, <laughs> Shandy Wexler. Uh, Jen Wexler is the only Wexler I know of. Uh, great guest from last week. Film. This is oh god. Yeah, I do remember it being long. I thought you were talking about a fucking actress in the movie. It was twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it was two ten. I did like Sandy Wexler though. There were some good <laughs> things. Uh, Again, the production value is unbelievable. Yeah, I don't He's know. He's got the money. Okay, I didn't mean to derail. I just thought, you know, it's a Halloween episode. We should talk about fucking <laughs> hubby Halloween. Uh, so everything that I saw, uh, Russell and I have some overlap. So I, I did want to mention something. True. Are you going to mention it? I okay, did okay. want to mention uh, one thing that I should have brought up last week uh, that I've forgotten, that we were just sort of in a rush. Um, I wish we'd be in more rush this week. But... <laughs> Uh, Dude, it's a holiday. Randy, I, I did watch American Utopia. Nice. I uh, wanted to talk to you about it. Um, if Look, we live in a competitive world, and obviously, you know, we, we got to match up American Utopia and stop making sense. These are <laughs> two very different things. Uh, obviously, you know, David Byrne, this is solo. Stop making sense was talking heads. Um, I First of all, let let the record be straight. <laughs> I very much enjoyed American Utopia. Uh, it made me tear up several times, as expected. Um, and Randy, they did play glass, concrete, and stone. Thank you very much. I know. I realized that after we had that conversation as well. Uh, and that may have been one of my favorite numbers they did and, and how they did that. Again, um, they're completely untethered. The I I honestly want a documentary on the making of American Utopia. I want to know the casting process. I want to see practices. I want to see all the messy stuff because I imagine it took a lot to get to where that got. Uh, because again, the, the the choreography is incredible uh, of how this was achieved. And for the most part, uh, Spike did a good job. Spike stayed out of the way. 
Yep. Um, which is, I think, what he needed to do. And that I, as far as I know, that's the first time he's been out of the way in any of his movies. So congratulations, Spike. You finally matured as a filmmaker at age 70. Hack. Okay, good. So I'm done. sorry. I had three notes that said remind Clark. So I was going to, I was going to shoehorn that. Yeah. In, no, I, <sighs> Stop making sense is, is infallible. Um, there were a couple things that bothered me with American Utopia. Um, of course, you know, look, it, David Byrne's a political guy, so he's going to do political things. That's fine. Uh, but the one thing that I could not get over is the bare feet. <laughs> They're all running around the stage. Everyone is barefoot. And I hate it. <laughs> and Spike made it very clear that they're barefoot. There were zoom shots, close-ups of the bare feet. One very <laughs> ugly foot that, I mean, I, I, that person needs to go to a physician. What kind of feet you got? I have horrible feet. Horrible feet. Okay. You, I have this. Oh, that's right. He just I produced a, a tool to... I have a pumice stone that I have to grind my feet <laughs> down. Uh... So do you not like looking at feet because they remind you of yours? I just hate feet, man. I just, I, 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 they're, they're disgusting. They're disgusting, and I don't want to see them. All right. But other than that, American Utopia was great. I highly recommend it. Russ, check it out. It's on HBO. All right. Yeah. I'll probably okay. watch it again soon. Another film uh, that I think we all three saw. I saw this yesterday. Um and it was a movie that I was saving to watch with Russell, but then Russell decided to watch it without me. So that's mm-hmm. the, how our relationship works. So, oh, we're bringing back the movie cuck segment. I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to movie cuck you, and then you ended up movie cucking me. So this is how this works. Mm-hmm. But again, y'all started this movie very late, so that's fine. Yeah, that's why I didn't bother you. <laughs> um, Borat, subsequent movie film. Uh, when was the first one? Two thousand? Was this fourteen years ago? 2006, 2007. It sounds it about right. Been, I th- it had to have been 2006. 2006. So, obviously, uh, I, I think we're all fans of Sasha Baron Cohen here. Uh, we understand his genius and his his bravery. Now, if if you had to critique Sasha Baron Cohen and his characters and what he does, he can, uh, at least on the surface level, seem to punch down. Russ, do you agree with that? No. No? Uh, kind of. Well, I mean, I think a, a broader spectrum of like what he's doing, he's punching down on like, he's exposing cultures or ideas sure. or identities. Yeah, I don't think he's, when you say punching down, I imagine that uh, people would take that as like, I'm making fun of this guy right now who's talking to me. Yeah. I don't think it's really that. I, I just love his mixture of highbrow, lowbrow. Yeah. I, I think that's a very tricky thing to do. And I think that he can navigate it very well. And I think I loved how they tied everything together uh, to make this a um, prescient film uh, with the coronavirus. And yeah, do you think was production halted because of the virus? And then they, so they created that, that's that? something I want to bring up with, with Randy, because I know Randy and I, we listened to, um, a podcast uh, called the Doughboys, uh-huh. and on the most recent Doughboys episode was Jason Walner, the director of Borat, subsequent movie film. Uh-huh. He did not mention that he directed this movie at all, oh. and in fact, 
He didn't say anything about the movie. He didn't say why he was on the show. And at the very end, they were like, Jason, is there anything you want to plug in this time? He said, no. I mean, I, I directed a movie. You can Google me and uh, you'll figure it out. And that's it. So, Randy, why do you think that he's is? Why do you think he's not uh, talking about it? Honestly, no idea. And also, I listened to that episode and thought he was a great guest and totally did not realize that till right now. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. realize that was him. Well, because I had to Google him and I was like, oh, he directed Borat. Oh, so is he like tiptoeing? He's like, oh, people are going to be mad about this movie. And I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it may be a legal thing. Although everyone knew that Larry Charles directed the first Borat. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I love Larry Charles. Uh, and I, I thought maybe that he did this one. And I saw that this guy did it. And I was like, oh, he's on Doughboys. What's going on? Yeah. Um, so anyway, what what did you guys think? What did you think, Randy? Um, I I dug it. You know, it's kind of more of the, the same character. But you got a uh, a father-daughter element in this movie, which was rather uh rather sweet with all the um you know crazy stuff of what's happening in the country and him you know finding some quarantine buddies that are uh talking about QAnon conspiracies and stuff like that they were my favorite yeah they that was probably my best my favorite part too they were the best also can we agree do we think that they were a couple Oh, maybe. I think they were. Yeah. I think they were a closeted couple. I didn't even. It didn't even cross my mind. I guess I just assumed they were. Yeah, that was that's weird. It honestly I mean, like even surprised me that they took him in. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. I I feel like this did, and again with the original Borat, there are staged elements, mm-hmm. but it's also very real situations and. I think that he does a good job of that. Uh, I don't. That's that's why I would like to know more about the production of how they get all this stuff done. Of like, what do the what do they know on the other side? How much are they aware? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For like when when they go to the um, uh, the cotillion ball, which is something. Are you guys familiar with that? No. Okay. No. So I grew up in the South, and for a couple years. Uh, I went to a very ritzy school that would have cotillion balls. Now, fortunately, I was able to uh, forego that, never had to officially go to one. Uh, but I know all about, oh, I had to do that in college, though. It's this, it's this <laughs> old South thing where you dress up fancy and you do stupid shit. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was very similar to what was being portrayed in the film. So, um. And then obviously there was a very a big stunt that they pulled uh, with that involving um, the what, how does he say the night moon? Basically, oh, she I had can't. her period and a bunch yeah, of pubic yeah. hair uh, and yeah. showed everybody. And uh, editing does a lot in these movies. You know, there's a lot of manipulation uh, with what he does with with any of his stuff, frankly. So, I I am interested from a filmmaking perspective of of the navigation of that. Do you know what I mean, Russ? Of like, completely. how much exactly would have this succeeded without all these edits? Well, and when, what exactly is being cut together? Well, that's part of the, um, making a highbrow comedy for a general audience is I, my introduction to Sasha was, um, the Ali G show. And I remember it was in my early twenties when I was hanging out in a garage and drinking on my free time. That's like just what we did. Like we were bored. So it's like, Oh, let's get drunk and something fun will happen. 
<laughs> and uh, we would watch, you know, like Gummo. And this is where I explored all that. And I remember watching LG and I was like, I fucking hate this dude. <laughs> and it wasn't until I realized what, what I was actually looking at and I understood the comedy and how it was a uh, show for old people. And it was really aiming at how they're terrified of the young generation. And I was blown away. And then, you know, Bruno and Borat, they're all, they're all as thoughtful of a narrative. And I remember, I remember hearing Sasha, I think I have a bootleg video of him in the UK off of a cable show somebody recorded. And he was talking about all the effort that would go into creating that five minute interview. And he said, every time, depending on the character, like with Borat, because we're talking about him, that suit, he's never washed it. He said he wouldn't wear deodorant and um, he would do all these things that he knew wouldn't translate through the camera, but it would totally sell the people on who he was. So before the camera's even rolling, he's hanging out with people for an hour in character. And that's why you get these genuine reactions where he can do weird shit and people are just, they're not like, okay, you got a camera crew here and you're fucking with me. Yeah. And it's like, no, because Ollie G would sit down. Every, every show he would do this ritual, he'd have a character come or, you know, a real politician, they'd sit there and then he would try and spell their name on a whiteboard and he'd be like, okay, how do you spell your name? And then he would, and he said it would take about a half hour. And he, what he was doing was he was just introducing them to who he was going to be while they're interviewing. And I love it, but I fucking hate it when he scripts shit. And in this movie, it was like half scripted. And I think the great dictator or whatever the fuck it was, or what was his other film? Ollie G, the movie. They're garbage. He's not a good comedic writer. Yeah. His strength and uh, on here. But I, it's but it's in real life situations, and I think that helps sure. that. That's why I pulled up on his IMDB. He went to Cambridge and he was a, a theater actor. Yeah. And you can tell he's strong in the moment. And all of the the yes and that he can do in yeah. character. Is so powerful, but the scripted stuff works because it they all connect narratively. Yeah, with this because like uh, when they go to the bakery with the the uh, the cake. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was great. Yeah, no, it was good. That was hilarious, and, and then that builds up to go into the doctor. You know, as as like the sinew that's connecting the body of work, yeah. I totally understand. But when it's like just a segment floating and there's a punchline, they they're always flat for me. And I'm just like, was there a specific dude. one in this one? No, a lot of the daughter interaction, like the daughter basically created a whole new level of it's just us in this moment. Like he was in Kazakhstan so long in this movie. Like I was like, get the fuck out of there already. <laughs> but by the time it ended, I started to think that maybe a lot of that uh, connective tissue was reshot to draw in that coronavirus narrative because I thought it, I don't know if you could really ruin a movie like this, but they did a good job of tying it all together. They really did. I love like, it. Yeah, narratively. And I do want to point out, I'm I'm sure that we're going to get a bunch of people who are like, with some anti-Trump shit. And it's like, this was filmed before the election. So there really wasn't any like, it was just Trump. And it's a lot of it. But I, I think if you come up with that clarity, and I know we're all fucking tired of hearing or seeing Trump, even Mike Pence, like, I'm tired of it. I was okay here. I'm like, eh, this felt like, you know, it's an organic thing, not like, yeah, that of the time. Although the QAnon thing is pretty like timely. Doctor Fauci, what you gonna do? So there's. The a, do you remember when we found all the footage this from summer? The, yeah, this and, summer, and, and we were like, "What is he up to?" And it was really interesting to see 
multiple different people documenting it, the group reacting post uh, his arrival and um, looking at how they used it in the film, because really it was kind of just like a narrative gap. Yeah. They used. And, uh, but it's interesting the way that they pumped the audience, like they made the audience sound much more full when really that event was kind of like sparse. And there were clearly like three dudes in the front row who were totally into these fucking songs. And, uh, I don't know. It was it was really interesting. I the craft is really what I'm a fan of. Right. Um, so we we have to talk before we close. Um, we got to talk about uh, what the, the the main part. What's the main part? Rudy. What? Rudy Giuliani. Oh yeah yeah okay. What a terrible human being. I I'm, mean, I'm not a fan of that motherfucker. Wh- at all. What happened to him? Because there was a time where everyone was pretty much on board with rudy giuliani i think people like he, just, he cleaned up new york yeah, yeah he turned it into Times square but like and then you know he was america's mayor with 9-11 everyone loved rudy giuliani and at that time he looked like a human being something <laughs> has happened to where his i mean dare i say he looks a little more reptilian these dude days. uh the frederick wiseman gremlin bit him his face <laughs> is melting he's turned He's he's turned heel. So he's turned heel. Um, you know how I listen to way too much political radio. Uh, you you would be not surprised at how often people are saying that stupid laptop that came up. That story is only hurt by Giuliani being attached. It's like he he just do, people don't trust him. They don't like him. Like I mean, and this movie doesn't help, guys. <laughs> What happens in this is like, yeah, I know it's become like the main thing of what people are talking oh, about. Oh, I haven't this. heard any of it. Yeah. Because I mean, that's what it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. What? Of, of what happens in this movie. Oh. Uh, with him. I mean, he's unbuttoning his pants. Well, he's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that, that, that's the thing. It, yes. In the film, she's supposed to be a 15 year old girl. Yeah. Now, does he know that she's 15? I don't think so. Well, does he care? And she's played by a 25-year-old woman. Oh, you know what? Was this the big drop? Because, you know, um, Obama famously called this um, silly season for politics, like right before an election. Yeah. This is where all the crazy stories come out and all the gotcha moments. And, uh, you know, the laptop was the uh, Republican one. Is this the Democratic one? Where we got uh, Sasha bringing out Giuliani, which it kind of works out well because Giuliani's tied into the laptop. He's 100%. We need to call up Evan. This is a Halloween conspiracy <laughs> in the making. Because <laughs> it's, I tell you, it's not good. Dude. Uh, it's very, very uncomfortable. I know. Can we go back to the good old days where Bruno's trying to stoop uh, Ron Paul? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I've I only that. seen Bruno once. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, same. Were, in the theater. Were you guys able to watch it in a theater? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good job. How many uh, people walked out? A lot. <laughs> a I don't lot. think there was many people in my screening. I saw it in Iowa somewhere. Dude, what? <laughs> I was in. <laughs> I was on tour in Iowa when what Bruno came out. Tight. <laughs> I saw. I saw it in a, a fairly liberal college town. So uh, uh, people well, were. Excited. I saw it out here by uh, one of our high schools, and we had a lot of little kids in there. What the fuck? Like they were just straight up like trying to be little gangbangers being tough and the the very confrontational um homosexuality in that film did not play well to that crowd and i loved it my god i loved it i sat there smiling so big 
as that wiener was talking to me on screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, you know, I'm bummed out because Bruno, I felt when that originally came out, it had an edge to it. And I felt like this movie didn't in any way. Like it wasn't edgy at all. And you bringing up the Doughboy story makes me think that maybe the director thought it was going to have an edge and he didn't want to dance along it. But I don't know. I was just kind of like, I don't know. The Rudy Giuliani stuff is gross. It's gross, but maybe it's because I listened to so much. And then like the the stunt he pulled uh, with Pence. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Where he's dressed like Trump and he's out there. You know, the thing is, man, I listen to political radio. And on this show, I even mentioned that it's kind of become a hobby of mine. It doesn't mean I like any of these fucking people. And the more you hear about them. You're not a sports fan, Russ. (laughs) You're right. I'm a a contrary sports fan. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you should respect people. Don't worship them. Respect the police. Don't fucking worship these people because they're they're not infallible. And uh, politicians, we need to fucking watch all of them. So when Giuliani's being creepy, I'm like, how do we not see this more? How are there not cameras everywhere? I, I loved it. I gave it four and a half stars. Randy, I think I gave it three. I think I'm I'm like th- I've been going. It's, th- it's every I didn't. It hit every note I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted another Borat movie. And that's exactly what I got. <laughs> I think I want to give it a three, but I think I'd go three and a half because I'd watch it again. I'd watch it right now. The thing is, it's like a jackass movie where you don't get enough of the the stunt. Like there's too much yeah. shit in between. Them. I think you need to watch it again. I I and I would. That's why you I watched it, it late. You may be a little sleepy. I don't know, man. Maybe I love right. fucking. We spent a lot of time on this. Um, so, well, I mean, it's, dude, this is in our wheelhouse. I would say that these films count as like faux documentary or- It's 100,000% right? faux documentary. And, and it's the, the performative live stuff that's reality clashing with the scripted character. Yeah. Man, it's- a, it, uh, did, more. did y'all like the uh, the quick little bit they did with uh, when he brought up uh, his old sidekick? And they're like, you're oh, sitting on him? Uh, <laughs> Azamag, yeah, Azamag, yeah, dude, Azamag. I love that. That was hilarious. They turned him into the chair. <laughs> his, oh, his little dick was in the back. <laughs> I got bummed out though because I thought he was gonna like come out. Is he dead? I don't know. Don't let's not talk about it. I didn't want to look it up because uh, I know it's Halloween. <sighs> We're having fun. I was. I, I'm glad that they gave him a little nudge. Now I think he's dead. He may be dead. Okay, we're not going to talk about it. All right. Let's briefly talk about a 17-year-old movie that um, <laughs> Russell and I saw in the theater. Uh, for whatever reason, this was a Fathom event uh, from Cinemark where they brought back uh, for two nights uh, Memories of Murder uh, from Bong Joon-ho. I believe this is his second feature that he did. Uh, Bong Joon-ho, of course, is uh, the Academy Award-winning director of the film Parasite. No, Piercer. Oh, oh my bad. <laughs> so, I will say, I- I've been meaning to see this film forever because I-, I-, I adore Bong Joon-ho. You like to hit the bong. However... I do not particularly. Oh boy, I do not particularly <laughs> care for his English language films. Yep. Uh, but his Korean stuff, I mean, is is great, man. I I, I love everything I've seen from him. Um, and so, uh, Memories of Murder uh, was something that I've been meaning to see forever. And the fact that we could go see it in a theater is great. Now, the unfortunate thing of this is that uh, we had to go see this at the Cinemark at Tanfran. Now nah, we like and it. the Tanfran. Yeah, we love it because it's close, but we hate it because they're <laughs> morons. 
more times than not, they mess up a simple screening of a movie. Yep, yep. So we get there. Now, with Fathom Events is something that uh, Cinemark does specifically, where it is a basically a, a special event. So as a part of that, they don't show any previews. So you go, they show the movie, and then they have something extra. Um, and this extra, they had a Q&A. Uh, eh. with Bong Joon-ho and uh, what's his name? It's kind of like a mini podcast with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. It was more much. of a conversation. It was a nice, nice, it was good. nice, little, it. nice little conversation there at the end. About 20 minutes or so. Yeah, it was good. Um, But so the movie started. Uh, We hear the music and there's no picture. And I let this go for about, what, 15 seconds? Yeah. And then you hear me grunt. <laughs> and then I just shake my, and I walk immediately out of the theater and I had to go find somebody. And the only person there was all the way at the front of the ticket box. And I said, hey, at theater seven or whatever, or, uh, the we have no picture. There's no picture. And so it co- took a couple minutes. They got it. And then they actually replayed it, uh, which, I mean, nice. frankly, if they didn't rewind it, we yeah. would have missed out a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm glad they did that. They finally, so we finally well, were able to get picture and sound at the same time. Somebody also came in and apologized. Yeah. Which they hadn't done any other time. That is true. Uh, so uh, briefly, we'll, we'll just hit the, the broad notes here. Um, this is a wonderful procedural. And if you know me, you know, I like a good cop drama and, uh, memories of murder is actually uh, the retelling of an actual murder case that happened in Korea. And uh, the murder was actually um, charged with these murders uh, about a year ago. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. He confessed a year ago. He confessed and he was already in, j- he was already in jail. And actually when they were filming this movie, he was already in prison yeah. uh, for other murders and uh, other crimes. And they did not know that uh, when they filmed it. And I think that the ending of this makes that even more eerie. Um, I, I just, the reason why this movie is hit close to home with me is because it deals with, uh, a small town and we're in, we're in a small village and, um, I, I know small town politics and this movie delves in that perfectly. And you, you, you've got a big crime in a small town and then that brings in the big city. So we've got these two detectives working on this, the police detective who's a little aloof, and then they bring in the big city cop to come in and help out with this crime. And there's friction Sweet. there. And, um, I mean, this, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. And, um, Thoroughly enjoyed this. Russ, what'd you think? Because, Russ, you weren't exactly sure. You thought that maybe this was going to be cool guy territory. I don't know. I had no expectation coming in. You you were just like, hey, you want to watch a three-hour Korean film right when you get off work? And I was like, so, ah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. That was it. I I uh, loved it. And, you know, again, I on the show, I'm very aware that I'm an enthusiast and I love, like, film. But, you know, the thing that got me jump-started into giving a shit about theory or just thinking about film in a more critical way was just I like thinking of the history of film and how it captures the time and people at the time, how they watched it. And I love it. I love the Zodiac Killer kind of element of we we're making a movie about a guy that we he could be out there yeah. and he might be watching it. And just thinking of that kind of shit gives me a whole nother like dimension. And then when the movie's just like perfect anyway, it's like, Oh, this is a, this is a perfect film. One of the, I, and I think one of the main reasons why uh, I, I, I think it gets lost in the translation between his Korean language and the English language films. 
I think it's the humor. Yeah. Because with the humor in Okja is so over the top. And we sort of, we get that in his Korean language films, but it works. And there's some silly stuff in this movie. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, it works harmoniously uh, with everything else that's going on. And we, we get some wild characters here. How many full body kicks do we get in this? Oh, and yeah, there's like three or four. Great. But uh, the comedies, you know, when we're dealing in a comedy film, it's the world is funny. And this is clearly like, this feels more like reality where it's like, man, everything is terrible, but we're making jokes. And uh, even the jump kick shit, it ends tragic. Yeah. That shit fucked me up more than anything in this movie. And it's kind of for a character you're not even rooting for. Yeah. But it's like, man, he got the short end of the straw too. Like, like, fuck. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I love, I love the Poughkeepsie tapes ending. Yeah, I, that's for you pretty much yeah. only because yeah. you just watched it. But yeah, I don't know. Um, the Edgar Wright interview after is another example of getting away from traditional content. They clearly just had a like a uh, part of that is just um, uh, talking about Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how young they were when they were making films. Uh, dude, I love the whole damn experience. I was actually kind of worried you're going to want to bail on the uh the Zoom call. I yeah, I was. I know that's why I wasn't making eye contact yep. with you. I, I I picked up on that. I kept looking for eye contact. I know. I didn't get as like all right. Well, because I I can't help it. Whenever there's like a moment in a movie, I always tend to look over to see how you're reacting, and I knew during that I'm like he's gonna want to leave. And dude, they were doing shit like uh, Edgar Wright was like, dude, I love your movie collection behind you, and he's like, oh, mine's right here off camera, and he tore, and I'm just like. Nobody's going to care about that. But as you know, it's like a Blu-ray collector. Giant wall. Dude, so uh, good. I Randy, love the film. watch this immediately. Yeah, I think it comes to digital um, the day after this airs. So I very much want to see it. I've been hearing about it forever. It was on Prime for like a very short period, and I never watched it. Because, um, yeah, I think, I don't, I don't remember who picked it up. But yeah, this was a 4K restoration, yeah. Look beautiful. Yeah. Look beautiful. I like, you know, I always give people shit about being the goddess cinema. And it's like, well, here, let me tell you why this movie wasn't perfect. And, you know, we talk a lot about entertainment. This is one of those films, though. It, it, it just, it works on every level. Yeah. It completely. And it's deeply emotional. I don't know. I loved it. The cinematography is so good in it, too. It's great. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else? Five stars. Yeah. Easy. Easy peasy. So, what's that? Three and a half for Randy? <laughs> Four. Oh. I don't know. Right. We'll see. We, we no, talking no. about this one? Do you have anything else left? Um, That's it for me, I think. All right. Now, y- you guilted me earlier, and I like to pretend like I have thick skin, but I'd, we're running long, aren't we? It's a Halloween celebration. I wanted to pay off my tease from two weeks ago, and... uh. Oh, I'm tempted to play the song again. I'm not. I'll save it for next week. Um, next week? How how are we doing this every week now? Well, I didn't talk about it last week. Anyway, the Sweet Taste of Souls is the one that I was uh, I played that great cherry pie song from. And uh, you know what? I'm going to play it in the background. Here we go. And I'm just going to talk about a different movie over it. Really? Yeah, why not? Okay. So, yeah, I teased this. Uh, Turn it down a little bit. It then. should be available on November 1st, I believe. Oh, it's it's crescendoing as yes. I go down, so don't worry. Yeah. And um, 
this movie is a fucking bonkers surrealist film that we'll talk about next week. Anyway, I'll try and get through my stuff quickly. I only got two movies. Um, it turned out I watched uh, the Boulet brothers from Dragula have a um, special. It's kind of a movie on Shudder right now. And it's kind of like a hyper-produced version of their show that aired on um, Amazon Prime a long time ago. I couldn't recommend it more. It, I'm so conflicted because, oh man, I don't know. So part of the thing with the Boulay brothers, they're kind of doing a very obvious not drag race show. So they have a lot of different type of performers. They're doing horror drag. They, uh, When people get eliminated, they do a little vignette where they're murdered like in a horror movie. Nice. And it was very raw. Season one felt like it was filmed in a basement of somebody's house. Oh, really? But it was part of the appeal where it's just like... The Jordan appeal? It Yeah, it felt like there was not a lot of filter going on. And you're getting like a raw content. Okay, I'm done with you, Cherry Pie. And... Uh, Thank you. It... Uh, <laughs> I dude, I listen to that song daily, so it's it's no uh, no you know no uh, no curses I lay upon that song, um, but if you if you have Shutter, and you're you're flirting around with the the drag idea, watch that. It kind of comes off like a um, oh, what do they call those videos where it's just like a dude will walk around in your shop and he films the wall. It's like um, I want to call it like slice of life. It's called a, a it's kind of like a lookbook. It's very glossy, but all of the fucking what I forgot about the other thing. Kevin, we talk about what's the other thing? Heidecker. Oh, okay. I'll do that next. Okay. Um. I yeah. I just want to briefly mention, dude. Shutter, keep producing Dragula. You, you elevated it in a way that I think they always had the vision for, but couldn't pull off. And all of the kind of cringy raw stuff that I loved is gone. And um. For those who did watch it, I totally stand by the winner. I know there's been a slight argument there, but um controversy? Loved it. It's on Shutter. Check it out. Um some beautiful cinematography in that thing too. It kind of reads like a very well put together Instagram, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that glossy kind of Yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. Um yeah, let's talk about the Heidecker thing. I I literally just watched it right before we started recording. Um did, was that film for YouTube? As far as I know, it just dropped on YouTube on Friday. Uh, Tim Heidecker, um, who does it now, Russ, you've been from you're a big Heidecker fan, and yeah. you're familiar um, with his standup. Yep. He, so you've just seen clips that he would go and. Oh, I used clips. to go on YouTube and try and pull up every video of him doing. So how like much him. from the special uh, did you already know? The only one I knew was the Coke. Okay. And that it's that's like on my favorites though. Okay. I love that bit. So essentially, yes, Tim Heidecker released a stand-up special. Um, is this a parody of stand-up specials? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what makes it so great. Um I I've seen it twice and I'd watch it right now. Yeah. Um I, I just have so much fun with it. And um Heidecker um starts the special. With very generic um, guitar music, it's like down, 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 down. I can't get. It's no. a riff of that. It's a riff. That, it's not yeah. the Rolling Stones, but it's very, it, it's very of that nature. I love it. And 
I don't want to spoil a whole lot, but Randy, he does a very physical comedy bit with the microphone that takes, uh, we talking three, four minutes for us. Oh, not long enough. And the music just keeps blaring and it's like stuck in a loop and he's trying to get the microphone stand and he's losing his patience and his mind a little bit and he's yelling at the sound booth and then that finally subsides and then he gets into his standup and he's he's a little unorganized he's got his notes there he's messing up bits and it's just um it's a great performance piece and the jokes are um what what you would expect uh from Heidecker um, I don't know. You know, if you only know him from Tim and Eric, his standup was kind of what you talked about loving to do, which yeah. is, it's like professionally bombing. Yes. It's like the art of being terrible at it. That that was the struggle I had as a standup because I love, I love that aspect. As you know, I love Joe Piscopo. Yeah. And, um, and actually, I, I, I told... Randy, I, I told I told Russell this. Randy, um, one of the jokes that he actually says in the special is a joke that I had when I was doing stand up because I would do it. I would sort of do this character of like a late night talk show host of like I want to do monologue jokes, yeah. And so I would come up with these corny jokes to be a part of that, and that was one. Yeah. And the joke was, um, I've recently listened to the music of uh, Keith Urban. Boy, I tell you, it's more like Keith Rural. <laughs> pretty good yeah <laughs> Randy. <laughs> and now yeah. now are you offended are you upset no that- i was like okay this works so but again now if tim heidecker is doing this meta humor it's the 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 joke is being anti-funny and he pulls a joke that you used does that mean uh, he's making fun of you? Is he calling you out here? No, because I was trying to do that. I get it. it. Was as I said, I, I I packaged it in a way with like I wanted to do corny monologue jokes. I get it. Yeah. So I so did. We yeah. need to get a lawyer. <laughs> We're gonna make some money off. <laughs> um, dude, I, reach out, tweet, and be like, dude, you stole my joke, man. But the thing is that he didn't jump the shark with it. No. He didn't. It, it it stayed grounded, and he actually did a uh, encore where he comes out and does a couple songs on the guitar, and not in character. It's I a different character. It is, and I I have Be- met Tim. Not um. I mean, I've been very close to him on a beach a couple of times. I actually went to um, Awesome Con two years in a row, mm-hmm. and uh, one thing, Tim and Eric, they're giants. They're huge men. I think Tim is like Tim is he's like six two. Really, I keep throwing that out there. I'm. I hope I our audience Eric's doesn't like six five. I am not five four, and I'm not looking up at the sky. And oh, he's a giant. I, I promise you, I'm not doing that to everybody. Tim is huge. Eric is bigger. And um, in Awesome Con, which was a parody of Comic Con, which happened literally in the park next door. They would run around in the park and do things like give out hot dogs and have a wheelbarrow race and like just lame shit. Heidecker's listed as six foot. He's tall, man. Eric is six seven. Yeah, they're tall. Uh, I actually made them in a in a wrestling game, and they uh, they were a good tag team. Anyway, <laughs> actually, I made a uh, Borat too. Or no, it was Bruno and uh, Diesel. Nice. His boyfriend, the one that he spins around on Finn? the bottle. I know. Yeah. Yes, Vin. It, uh, oh, I should use that intro song, the Vin Diesel one. <laughs> like I do. Yeah, but I when when we were talking about his acoustic performance, I'm like the energy you get from Tim is so weird though, because these guys are a they're playing like a down to earth, unaware everyday man, 
And then when you kind of get in that bubble, they're very serious and you can tell everything is crafted. They've thought through everything and it is, and they will not let you fuck it up. And he doesn't break. No, he doesn't break. And that's the scary thing. He doesn't crack because the commitment is, it's a constant battle of like, what, what is real here now? I think earlier on I love. when this kind of comedy, like this, like removed perspective comedy was um, kind of blossoming. A lot of it was anxiety driven where people were just like, Oh God, it must be terrible to be there. I didn't get that vibe at all from the standup, except when he brought the people on stage. Yeah. There's a moment where he brought a dude up on stage and he said, here you go. Take the mic. I'll be back in a minute. And he walks away. And it, I just, I don't know. In in my gut, I was like, I would be fucking. Well, you you could tell the, terrified. the the horror in that guy. Well, the guy he also said something very lame. Yeah, where he's like, I'm not doing prose right now, and it's like, cool, dude. Like, I would have just shrugged. I'm like, Ooh, sorry, everybody. Well, that dude was lame. Yeah. He, also, he was lame. how odd was that couple? Uh, I don't know. I'd watch him do it. They were an odd couple. <laughs> he was six five. She was four eight. He was six two. He was a giant. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but watch r- it. But, but Ray, I, 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 we need to set the table of like the physicality of what he's doing here. So he comes out on stage. He's got his hair done a certain way where it's slicked back. You see him backstage. He's doing the hairspray. He's getting it all wet and it's all slicked back. He's wearing a leather jacket, (laughs) blue jeans and a horrible green button up shirt. And he just looks ridiculous and it's perfect. Now, as a, as a fan of his standup, all the videos I've seen of him prior to this, He's been in like a tiny little room or like you could tell it was like kind of like a pop up thing or maybe it's just a club that's not very good. And there's like maybe five people in every room. This room was full of people who knew what he was doing well, I, I, he and the probably, audience. Well, the, the, the back and forth was completely new to me. I think it's important when you're building a character like this and you're building a set that he wanted to go to places where maybe he didn't get recognized. Oh, for sure. Because he wanted, he was trying to build a thing. You know what? You reminded me my favorite part of Borat was the beginning when he goes out in his regular suit and he just shows how everybody knows who the fuck he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was my favorite moment of that movie, especially when that guy's trying to get him an autograph. He's just like, Hey, come on, I'll give you some money. Yeah, I don't know. I loved it. Okay, are we done here? Let's move yes. away. I feel you. Y'all put the guilt upon me, and now I feel like I'm wasting time. We're going too long. No, let's close it out with. I got one more, and it was a movie that uh, Clark um, illustrated his commitment issues and bailed on me last minute. Oh boy, he how said- <laughs> we paint different pictures. Hmm. What? Okay, you were, it's your fault. I didn't get this movie. How? Because y'all didn't come and pick me up like you said you were. So uh, let's talk about the conversation we had on the road. No, you don't want to go there? No, let's talk about it. All right. Called you up. Yep. Said, hey, meet us down there. Yep. And you said? No, because I'm a responsible citizen. Mm-hmm. I had already ingested drugs. <laughs> and when I ingest drugs, I don't drive. Randy, your thoughts? I think that's very responsible. I would do the same. Okay. So then when we uh, called back. Uh, 10 seconds later and said, okay, we're go- we'll be right there. I'm going to pick you up. You said? No. And? 
because then, I, then, then you put guilt on me. No. I didn't oh. want the guilt. I didn't want that baggage. I'm just handing the bag back. To I you. didn't want that bag. The bag of guilt. I didn't want. There that was baggage. not guilt. It was like, no, you're coming out here because this was your idea. It was my idea. I know. And then I said, you know what? Fuck it. He's not going to do it. Even if we drove up there, he would not get in the car. So let's just go. Yeah. And uh, we went. We went on the journey to go see what I thought was going to be the Bye Bye Man Two, but turned out um, the Empty Man is a. Oh, man, it is a deep meditation on the thoughtfulness of nihilism. No, I don't know. Dude, the empty man, I've been struggling. I didn't know how. We went into the empty man, into an empty theater, and I expected nothing except I thought the name was funny. So I'm like, okay, this will probably be a waste of time because it's two and a half hours long. But we'll we'll probably get some laughs and it will be enjoyable. Like I wanted to get out. Oh man, I love this movie. And I hate even saying that because I think if anybody walks into this film with any any preconceived notion, it's going to hurt it because this film really fucks with like perspective. And I I mean in a meta sense of like what a horror movie is and about it talks about urban legends, we talk about philosophy and I didn't know anybody in the cast except one person who you already knew about. Steven Root, baby. And when he pops up, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Dude, he's good in it. He is he's Steven Root. All I want to say is um go watch The Empty Man. If you can see it in the theater, go check it out. The soundtrack is great. The movie's unique. It's two hours and seventeen minutes and it's, long. It's breezy. It ended and I went, well, that's all? That is not what I've heard on online reviews yeah, from but, both critic and the layman, Russell. But that's why They're people, saying, don't go to this if you have uh, narcolepsy yeah, let me, issues. Let me, let me turn off his mic. You get Here, a little sleepy. Uh, well, the bright and beautiful listeners of our show know better. That's why they come here. We got the deep cuts. We got the real takes. And this shit is fucking good. And again, how many times are we going to mention how critics like to shit on things? And if you're like a fucking basic bitch out there and you're like, I want to go see a horror movie in October and you show up to a fucking philosophical anti horror movie. That's two and a half hours long. I think you're going to be a little bored. Should I buy my ticket today? I'll tell you, uh, Terrell was so fucking confused. And we had talked about this movie from the minute we left for like a half hour while we were in the, uh, where'd we go? We went to a grocery store and then Terrell came over and he said, I'm sorry, can we stop what we're doing so we can talk about that movie? <laughs> and, you know, um, Terrell, I have to give him some shit because he was supposed to see it with us too, but saw it the day earlier and instead went to go see Aaron and Moorhead's new film. Um, it's Aaron Moorhead and Justin Bitson, not Aaron and Moorhead. Whatever. <laughs> they, they, they hate us, but we could call them whatever we want. Uh, and uh, yeah, he didn't like it. So do with that what you will. Shots fired. Shot is it? I, I want to go see their movie too. When are you going to see The Empty Man? I'm buying a ticket for four thirty-five today. <laughs> see, no, I, I'm glad we're doing this on air because I think you're going to fucking hate it because I talked about it. Well, it's your fault if I hate it. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I really like it. it. It's actually based on a graphic novel too. So if you're looking up IMDb or um, Google for an image. Be careful. There's a lot of shit there. Also, dear listeners, I should say that this is the third ticket that I have bought for this movie that I have not yet seen. Because the first time I bought the ticket, because Cinemark's app is whack, I bought it for San Mateo, California, when we were going to San Bruno. Yeah, I remember. And then I got that refunded. Then I bought the ticket for 605 
for Friday, and then I had to refund that as well. All right. Well, you know what? If people aren't liking it, you're going to watch it. Uh, next week, let's talk about it. Let's just spoil it. All right. Are we going to go see Synchronic tomorrow? Let's keep I'm our, down. Let's yeah, keep I'm our down. Monday movies going. Randy, can we uh, entice you in if we bring candy? Uh, I'm not a big candy guy, but I might go. You're not a candy guy? What do you? What's your uh, sweet tooth snack? Uh, Cherry pie. <laughs> I don't know. I like a lemon cake. Oh, I don't know, guys. Oh, he made a lemon tart uh, Friday. That was pretty good. We got an issue. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Uh, Synchronic is only playing tomorrow at 7.50. What's wrong with that? Oh, too late. It's playing at 4.50, but you and I can't make the 4.50. No. No, I'm going to go to 450 real. by myself. All right. Enjoy All your right, 450. Yeah. I'll go 750 we'll go by myself. three hours later. <laughs> Are you going to go? Is that too late for I'm, you? I'm down for 750. All right. So any listeners out there that want to join us for... Uh, oh, wait. No, it's tomorrow. My bad. It's less than two hours. Yeah, but I was going to throw it out there. We should plan a, a movie a week in advance so that when the episode drops, people could have time to join us. Oh, God. And bring your knife. I mean, if we're going to go, we how get, cool uh, would it be to be murdered by somebody, a fan? Fat boy scooting? Dude, fat boy scooting. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, I mean, I I could talk. All right. Never mind. <laughs> uh, again, uh, just an unbelievable uh, interview we had. You know, sometimes, again, we have great interviews on the show because A, we talk to great guests and B, uh, Russell and I are... Um, Undiscovered national treasures. You know, yeah. <laughs> know how to carry a conversation, and uh, no, but seriously, sometimes we 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 wrap up our interviews and we just feel better. And I just felt better. It, it was just a lovely chat with a yeah. lovely family that make movies together, and they happen to have the the surname of Adams. Yeah, so they're the Adams family that makes movies. And, and I'm telling you, the 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 craft and the amount of you can just tell that they care about what they're doing. Yeah. And they know what they're doing and they care about it. And the combination of those two things leaves something very special on the screen. And it was just a pleasure to talk to him. And it's a fucking, it's some shit happens during the interview. Uh, just a little teaser. Um, yeah, they're, they're amazing. And just knowing that that family's out there driving around. I don't know. It makes the world a little bit more magical. They literally called us, as they were driving um, in or they they live in upstate New York. Uh, they were on a cross country trip um, in their mini Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> in their miniature Winnebago trailer. And uh, some stuff happened during the yeah. middle of the interview concerning that. So stay tuned for that. Great interview. And uh, other than that, right. If you got any other uh, sign off uh, notifications, we'll throw it to the interview. I've got nothing. All right. Uh, you know, again, it. I wish we did a better job of promoting our show. Notice I said Brandy. I know, <laughs> but again, I just want to double down. I don't tell your friends about it. We're all family here. Share our show, because not for us. Tell them to skip the fucking first two hours. I don't care. But you know, let these filmmakers have a good voice. And Clark is cringing over there. We are so bad at promoting. We just don't do it. And That's for a reason. Well, I think it makes us all feel like we're humble or something, or like. Uh, we're bad people if we promote. I'm, I'm hella humble, dude. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to pass the baton on to anybody listening. <laughs> now it's your burden. You get the show out there. And if you don't, we'll blame you. Enjoy the Adams family. We'll see you next week. <laughs> there you go. All right. So are you guys in a car right now? Like literally, or was that a joke? We're in a trailer. <laughs>
We're living in an RV right now, traveling around because Zelda doesn't have school um, because of coronavirus. So we figured we would hit the road. We're working on our, our, our next movie. So we wanted to film some cool stuff and we wanted to do it out west. So we're drifting around out west, having a great time. Wow. I would not believe any other family except for yours. <laughs> <laughs> and this is our second time doing this. Ten years ago, we shot our first film in the same way. Holy shit. So so where, where's home base? Home base is in upstate New York, um, in Roscoe. Tiny town. <laughs> Catskill Mountains. Oh, beautiful. Movies come out of there. Also, my sense of comedy comes from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you used to work the resorts back in the 60s? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, me, me and my uh, little uh, bow tie <laughs> doing wife jokes. Russell has no idea what's happening. I have no clue. Stand up basically got to start the Catskills Mountains. I, honestly, the only thing I know about Catskill is that there are three UFO found footage movies about it. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Well, look, I mean, that, that just means that the Catskills brings us uh, something for everybody. <laughs> Now, all right. Now we've harassed you, uh, beautiful people, into coming on to our terrible show. Because one night, what, what the hell were we doing? We were we were going on Shutter, yeah, and we were looking to pick something, and uh, we landed on uh, the deeper you dig, and watch it. I think you bailed like two minutes in. Not because I anything- told you exactly. Yes, so I, I, I have my defense set up for this, <laughs> and I, I think here. Let me let me pivot this because, and, and this will be our first question because I, Russell and I live together. Uh, Russell and I have been friends for God six or seven years Too now, long. and, and uh, we live together. We used to work together. We're business partners, creative partners. And so we, we work together constantly. And, you know, now that we've lived together for a year and a half, um, you know, our relationship has changed a little bit. And I think that there has to be certain times where we sort of be like, you know, we're not going to talk about the show. We don't necessarily say that out loud, but we, yeah. <laughs> we, we need to maintain our friendship is, is that's what really started everything together. So sometimes we'll just uh, with Oksana. Um, just sit down and watch a movie and just enjoy our time together. And I think that's very important. So my question is with you guys is that, you know, you're writing, directing, starring in these movies together that, it, but you're also a family. So what is that dynamic like? And like, do you have to really force their times to be like, you know what, let's just be a family now and not be coworkers. I think it's really advantageous, like being a family and also being a group of filmmakers, we're all best friends. So I think we really get along while we're doing it and have fun while we're doing it. And, you know, we're sharing our common interest over making art and making films together. So uh, what do you think? I think it's really convenient. That's for sure. I mean, we do really get along, but because we're all under the same roof, if there's a wicked snowstorm brewing outside, we have the luxury of saying, let's shoot and going outside and shooting in the snow. Um, we have the luxury of traveling together like we are right now. And it, it, at this point, after having done this for 10 years, movie making and life, family life had just kind of crossed over. Yeah. They're one and the same at this point. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, we'll like the other night we were driving somewhere and we were talking about a scene. We were trying to hash through a scene. We were trying to figure something out. And we all had ideas and ideas and ideas. And we talked about an hour and a half. And finally, I don't know, one of us said, okay, 
that's that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And so we put on, you know, some loud rock and roll and didn't talk about it anymore. I think that's what happens when we burn out. We just say, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the writing process for your films. Also, I should mention, you totally dodged that setup, Clark. You, you bail in on the movie. No, I, was- I, get, I, was, no I just wanted to get that in. Um, so, yeah, so we sat down. We were going to watch a movie together, uh, and then Russ said he was going to throw in something on Shutter. Now, I have a job that I hate, and so I need time. I just I need to have my alone time from time to time. And when he said he was going to watch a horror movie, an independent horror movie, I just was not in the mood for that an independent not- horror movie. I know what it was. So I said, I- I'd give you two minutes, and I did, and then I left. But I watched this movie and I love this movie. I, you I'm know, happy to talk. About I'm going to take the blame here. It's one of those things where you sit down as a group, and I'm sure you guys have done this. And it's like, what are we going to watch? And then you jump on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, anything, and you spend a half hour looking at covers. And it's like, we got to make a choice here. And it, me, I normally take about 45 minutes, and by the time we landed, I already knew he was going to bed. Anyway, that's me. I'm yeah. the one who goes to bed. Toby looks through all the things. <laughs> and I always say, don't, don't, let's not watch something where I have to think. No, yeah. The <laughs> other night, Toby yeah. put the movie where we had to think. And half the way through, John and I both fell asleep while watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a lovely solo watch. <laughs> now, what was the movie? Oh. Actually, <laughs> go ahead. You go, you guys- now, yeah, you're baiting us here. You're going to make us look bad. You never. So it's a great movie, but we just weren't in the mood for it. It was. We were kind of doing actually a 90s lesson. So we watched the. Uh, Toby wanted us to watch The Usual Suspects. Okay. Yeah. Which is a great movie, but it talks a lot and there's a lot of explanation. And we were like, we had been working all day and we just, we had dumb head. And we wanted to watch the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And she put on the usual suspects where there's a lot of talking and thinking. Now, now does a lot of your, your film time turn into homework? I think that's kind of what Clark was touching on earlier is since we live together, we don't want to like blow our load of the conversation of the film like down there when we're not recording. Yeah. So a lot of the time we have to watch something. And then if we both really like it, you can kind of tell in the room. But it's almost like don't don't say anything. Yeah. So we'll both be moved by a film and then we'll just kind of coldly walk out of the room because it's a weird mix of entertainment and homework. So does that end up happening to you guys? Like you're watching something cool and then it's like, oh, we should write that down. The or, gears are turning. Yeah. I think while we're watching something and we see something kind of inspirational, we'll say, hey, we really want to do that in our next film. Like, so how are we going to figure out how to do that? And then when we finish the film, I think we'll kind of say what we like about it and what we don't like about it. But we don't linger on it too much. Yeah. And you've brought you've brought a, you've gotten us to watch a lot of movies lately, Zelda. Um, you're like, hey, uh, we, we all need to watch this movie because I want to do this in our next movie. Or I want to do aspects of it. So, yeah, we definitely do research but it's always fun just to watch what other people are doing yeah okay now the burning question i have adam's family is it real is that name real (laughs) it sure is i mean you know toby's name is funnier than the adam's family her name is poser i know (laughs) (laughs) and the first time like i think like the second day like we were dating or whatever i said so wait what's your last name she said poser and i was like oh god that's hilarious what's really your last name and she had this cold death stare (laughs) (laughs) no you had me on my couch 
building QAnon conspiracies. I'm like, <laughs> all right, it's a bait and switch with the Adam family name. And then I see Poser and I'm like, are they making fun of you in the credits? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really the, you know, it's funny since we started making horror movies, the, I, I grew up always hearing, Hey John, <laughs> and then as I got older, and went to college, everyone was like, Oh, I love your beer. Oh, <laughs> just so you know, it's that Sam Adams. My name is John Adams, but, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in the intro of our show, I've kind of worked in a morning zoo portion where we do like very hack soundbite stuff. And if I had my soundboard hooked up right now, I was tempted to play that dumb song. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost at the point to where a bad joke just turns mean. It would have been pretty ballsy. It would have been great. I don't, I think it would have been flat and uh, Randy and Clark would have made fun of me. I wouldn't have given you anything. I would have been embarrassed, honestly. (laughs) Maybe one day we need to do our own version of an, nah, Adams, nah, nah. an Adams family film or something else that Charles Adams uh, illustrated. Yeah. All right. So you got you said you're in Oregon right now. Yeah. Yes. And then home base is in New York. So you, I mean, goodness, y'all have traveled this whole country uh, during you know virus time. So what's the road trip been like? So I'm doing all remote school. So. While I just kind of do that while we're driving to our next destination. And then we go to super beautiful places like the Badlands and kind of burnt down forests to capture um, beautiful scenery and for our next film and get uh, dream sequences. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we shot a lot of our first part of about 60% of our next movie back home with, you know, back in our town and with people we know. And so we got all that, the kind of realistic stuff shot. And we wanted to have some kind of more dreamy sequences going on, nightmarish, really. And so it was just a perfect opportunity to get in this RV and travel around and look for them. Because you know what? Everybody's either, you know, caged or free, however you want to look at it. Right now, we're going to be free. And we came out because Lulu, our other, our older girl, who wasn't involved in the deeper you dig because she was uh, studying abroad in college at the time. She lives in Portland, Oregon. So we just kind of moseyed on out here, and we finally got to see her last night. And, uh, yeah, so we, we used to be a foursome. Now we're a power trio. Now, Zelda, you're in school remotely. Does that mean you're still attending, like, the same class you would have been if uh, the country were open? Yeah, I literally, uh, at my school, you have the option to be fully remote or actually at the school. So I'm literally watching the students at school in the classroom, watching them live as the teacher teaches them. It's really interesting. Wow. wow. How much do they hate you? You're out there on the road <laughs> making movies? I feel really bad that, you know, they have to, you know, work with me through the internet. I know it's probably a bummer for them, but at least I get to be in Portland. <laughs> It's pretty funny because I hear her doing her like chemistry class and, sh- and, sh- and the poor kids in school, Zelda will be like, okay, well now you have to take the beaker and pour it into the black tube and, and tell me how much it weighs. No, how much does it weigh? And so these poor kids like in the, on the chalkboard, it says, you know, it, I hate Zelda. <laughs> and at the beginning of every class, I hear the same question. Where are you now? Where are you today, Zelda? <laughs> Man, that's cool. Are you ever like, I'm on Shudder, go watch my movie? 
<laughs> that's a good idea. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> now, I, I I do want to talk a little bit about that before we uh, hear the the tale of how you guys became a family unit because I'm dying to know. Now, well, they fell in love I, and then I, they had you know, a baby. I'm that's, sure that story is more interesting. <laughs> now, it's okay. In the deeper, in the deeper you dig. You know, it's not immediately obvious that you're a parental unit, especially considering the roles you play. We have, we have an antagonist and a protagonist, and then we have essentially like a Laura Palmer character out of Zelda. Yeah. And by the time I, I had figured it out, I I had to talk to you guys. Um, I mean, y- your family, you, you couldn't have been in a more, I don't know, heated, passionate like kind of rivalry there's like a horrific death that occurs and it's your daughter like do you does that ever phase you guys as real people or is it all fantasy that's a morbid question I d- that's a great question i think we each have our own answers you want to start z i think it's fun getting to play such opposite characters than what we are because it's totally not real so we get to kind of live through these experiences that you know would never be a realistic um way of life. I think it's just really fun. Yeah. I mean, just like I was saying before that Zelda likes to bring movies to our attention and say, let's watch this. Cause I want to do something like this in our next movie that we're working on. And the other night she brought kick-ass and she was like, let's watch kick-ass because you know, they're so rude and they break all the rules and it's a young girl and let's watch that. And it's like, I think that's a, we love that stuff. We love that punk rock in film. And, um, I, I, it's really fun to shoot, you know, it's fun to shoot that stuff. I think Toby has a, a different view on, on that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm the, I, when we did the, the scene in the bathtub, uh, which was pretty brutal. I had a hard time with that. That was just a moment where I was like, man, I'm feeling more like a mom right now than a director and writer. And, and that was a little hard. But then you got Zelda saying, no, oh, it's okay. Let's do it louder and, and meaner and bloodier. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of discussions. Like we shot that a lot. So there was a lot of violence in that particular scene. And we basically met in the middle way in the end because it was like well how how hard are we going to push this and it is true even though it's our daughter it's also a kid and and the idea of you know that kind of violence is something that should be talked about yeah you know i i was saying it was a morbid question because i feel kind of lame for asking i know any family unit that's making the type of films and the amount of films that you've made you got to have a good relationship i i mostly think I, I want to point out how effective the frame of her in that bathtub really is. It's, you know, it's, it's not a home. It's a gutted building. And there's kind of a discarded bathtub that anybody that's ever broken into a g- derelict building has seen. Thank and you. It's, it's such an uncomfortable, non-human environment. Oh, yeah. And, and then there's a discarded body who has, I don't, I don't know, whose idea was it to have the, um, the colored lipstick? Um, I think it was mine because I, I wanted to be emo. Okay, because it almost was a perfect foreshadowing of uh, a, a body, a corpse, and mm. I thought it was so well done mm-hmm. because it's it's you know your lips would blue, yeah, but you it's lipstick, so there's still the like appeal of like glamour there, and just being discarded in the bathtub. I it, it was so effective. 
Are Can these I people- you just for a second? Can- yeah, yeah. Could we borrow that in the future and pretend that we meant to do that? We totally meant to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's totally Twin Peaks. It read to me like Laura Palmer. Where and we, wrapped in plastic. Well, and it's it's like the uh, American worship of death. Yeah. And it's kind of like we're so obsessed with this. And I thought you guys nailed it without being on the nose, which is incredibly hard for horror makers to do, horror filmmakers, which... Are you guys like horror fans or would you say you're film fans overall? I think I'm a film fan. What do you, what are you guys? Yeah, I think we're definitely film fans, but we all do love horror. I think, yeah. I think our love for it has turned into an addiction since we started making, um, the, the deep you dig. And before that, uh, the hatred. So, um, yeah, I think I, th- I, I, I think horror is getting better and better. Like, like we love, you know, I don't know what you guys think of it, but we loved like Midsommar, you know, like that was a wonderful movie and Hereditary was fun. I mean, I like Phantasm back from the 80s. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think one of the things that we love about horror is it's basically a drama, but wrapped in blood and guts and action. And so it makes, like we had made three or four dramas before we made our first horror movie. And the only the only thing about making dramas is you're kind of confined to reality. Whereas when you make horror, you're allowed to take chances, creative chances, artistic chances. You're, you're not confined to the laws of reality. So that's, what's so fun about being filmmakers that we discovered about horror is, wow, this is so fun. The, the cinematography, the acting, the ideas, the scenes, you're allowed so much more freedom, creative freedom. Now, when you're when you're patrolling the country in an RV, and you get inspiration for a movie, does it come from a location, or do you guys start with like a script writing process? Like, what what brought the deeper you dig to mind? Well, we are very spontaneous. I, I, we like to have, or I, sh- I should say, I like to have a very loose template to jump off from, just in case we so we don't miss something that that's really important to us, but usually it really is loose and we, we often improvise or just are inspired once we start shooting something. And we're very influenced by what is happening outside our, our window. Like I said, if there's a snowstorm, we'll find a reason to make a scene in a, in a snowstorm. Um, and then as far as the deeper you dig goes, John has a lot of nightmares where he's murdering someone. I mean, I'm constantly waking him up, you know, with his like goose pimply skin. And he's like, oh, and I'm like okay. No, I'm, I sound <laughs> tougher than that. <laughs> and and yeah, I, say, I, I say, who did you kill this time? So this that was an inspiration to... Uh, to write something about burying someone and and the person never quite dying or you can respond answer that better no just at the deeper you dig yeah is um i have this dream where i buried somebody and they're gonna find them and i always in my dream i always it's the guilt of like oh i'm not i i that was so long ago that I, I buried that body. Everything's changed. I have a family now, all this stuff. So I like the idea of working on the guilt of the deeper you dig. It was fun how it just gets to him. And the more he buries it, the more it bites him. Yeah. I've never had a dream of uh, killing anybody. <laughs> but, uh, the host of the show has had several about killing me. I've killed Russell. <laughs> Does that mean our relationship is going to be a dream? 
But I mean, find a new roommate fast. <laughs> well, I mean, you married yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, snap. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> No, should we segue there? I, I want to get back to the deeper we dig, but I'm so curious to know how you guys came together and became a family unit of filmmakers. Uh, well, so Toby studied acting, always was an actress, did really well, and then she started to tack on the years and the industry started to avoid her. Uh, and uh, that's really silly that the industry does that. And she was frustrated. I was asked to be on a sh uh, like a reality kind of TV show out in Los Angeles. And what I loved about it was the production side of it. And so Toby and the kids, we all moved out to Los Angeles and Toby was frustrated. She wasn't getting any castings and she's a great writer. And I said, Toby, why don't you write something and we'll film it like i'm watching the production side of this and we could do this now technology's like our friend now and um so she did she wrote this really wonderful script and we took off and we lived in an rv for a year the girls used to like some disney character they wanted to be who was it demi lovato no who no was we it? wanted to be bella from twilight bella from twilight and so it's kind of like hey you guys want to try to be bella from twilight yeah so we got in an rv and we drove around the country for a year and shot a film and loved the process actually i would say the three of us loved it i think lulu Liked it, but but learned that that's not really what she wanted to do. It was make movies, and so um, she like for the next couple of movies, Lulu wasn't quite as involved, right? She helped behind the camera. Yeah, she helped behind the camera. And she, but she's acting in our newest one. She's great. It's yeah. really great to have her do a prominent role again. But yeah, the the kids were six and eleven when we started, so Zelda especially has really learned the ropes. And she was six years old, and now she's a co director, co cinematographer. She's still acting in them. Um, it's been pretty cool to that these two generations are learning together. Yeah, and it was fun because Lulu was a, basically one of the main characters in, well, one of the main characters out of four. <laughs> she was like the main character in our first movie, and and she was great. She worked really hard, and when it was all over, we started our next one. She was like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that one. I want to play some soccer. And it was oh. great. Now, when, when I watched The Deeper You Dig, I had assumed that you guys were like a family unit that does production, and you have like a go-to crew in your local area. Now that I know you're all over the country, what what kind of crew do you staff these movies with? It, it's just us. Basically, whoever's not on camera is the one controlling the camera and directing it. So, Like yeah. literally, there's no, nobody, nobody else on there? Well, we have one other person that works with us, and his name is Trey Lindsay, and he's like our effects guy, and he's also our champion of fun ideas and we he's such a wonderful fourth person on our whole crew now because he's just this great artist that we get to work with and he's he's basically in charge of our, our effects now now that we're doing horror yeah and he and if like zelda's in school and we do need a cameraman he can always step in because he kind of is a jack of all trades and so brilliant but um no it's really just us we kind of wear all the hats and we like it that way Wow. Congratulations. You lucked out. You guys are talented and uh, it's clear you have a good relationship. I was sure that you had staffed that movie with more people. Oh, I, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm 
kind of shocked. Who now the cinematography? Who? I mean, it looks like you have like a learned touch. Wait, we, go go ahead, Clark. Micro budget films and, and small budget films are, are something that we are. Uh, we've seen a lot. We, we this We're is waist the, deep. This is the world <laughs> that we occupy, and Not- a lot of times with with these smaller budget films, uh, naturally these films lack. Uh, a little bit of finesse and a little bit of nuance. That is certainly not there <laughs> uh, with the deeper you dig. So the the more that you guys talk, I just I just get further and further blown away as to the whole process because, uh, like yeah, you know, Russell is queuing up the with the cinematography. The film looks beautiful. Yeah, you know, just a little bit more insight to what we do. We oh man, a long time ago we knew who the hell are we? This show it can't just be about us. So we were hoping that we could create a platform to kind of get overlooked films out and, um, you know, get the personalities that make them on here and uh, kind of, I don't know, just talk, get an audience to know them and know that real people are dumping movies on Amazon Prime. And most of the time we get uh, we get some colorful characters that uh, are returning their Redbox movies while we're talking <laughs> or talk about how they made uh, a movie alone because everybody had quit on them the day before. And it's, it's always kind of like a underdog story mm-hmm. and we end up rooting for them. But a lot of the times you can tell their film's not very polished and uh, they clearly never took a class on it or something. And yours just seems- And that can add to the strength of the film. And yeah, that a lot of the time it's all like. Yeah. Um, but then we look at your movie and it's like, oh, these people know what the fuck they're doing. And they, they've made up a name for marketing and, uh, they're super intelligent. They're probably like LA guys. in <laughs> 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 an RV. And I'm, I'm shocked. Like, are you just students of film? Do you just watch it or? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was on a number of sets over the years, so I would just watch from the actor's angle and I love writing. Um, uh, John is a really great artist. Zell is a really naturally talented photographer and artist as well. And John's a musician. And so it just kind of was natural that we just could take on all these positions. I got to cut you off there because the normally when I hear people who are like, Oh, I'm on set a lot and I've been around other people. They usually, the tree that they are bears very boring fruit. (laughs) (laughs) It's very like sterile and it looks alike. And then, you know, we, we do a film fest. What's a very boring fruit. I don't don't know. Um, (laughs) A red delicious apple. There we go. Oh God. Who, who is that for? Yeah. You, you nailed it. Oh God. Mealy. But the, the thing is, there's, why did we eat those when in the seventies? They are trash. (laughs) There's a look and a feel to those films though. And, you know, we mostly deal with horror movies, and it's so fucking clear with horror movies. When somebody's just trying to make a quick buck, and, and it's like, oh, we'll put some blood in there and, like, uh, a, a topless woman, and we'll make some money back. And I don't – I'm just – I'm shocked. And, I mean, just being on set can't give you a good frame. And a lot of the time, that's really what I want. So, yeah, let's go back to cinematography. Who's shooting these films? And why are okay. they – of this super huge compliment that you're giving us um zelda and i um we really started talking about doing horror about two, almost three years ago we really wanted to do horror and so we did a test run like we kind of practiced we on a movie called the hatred and we shot it in the winter 
and we really worked on our cinematography. It was basically one of the most important things to us in yeah. that movie. We had some really great costumes. We only wanted to shoot in the winter, hoping that the contrast of the white and the black would really pay off. And the costumes were all black. And um, we learned that shooting in the winter was absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it looked stunning. Um, we used Canon 5Ds. And we, that's all we've ever used. And they really are wonderful cameras. And um, I think one of the things that Zelda brought to The Deeper You Dig was motion in photography. Like The Deeper You Dig is the first movie that we've shot that the camera actually moves more. It's not just set up on tripods. And um, I think she does such a great job with that. It's something that's really important to us. And we talk about it. But we talk about it a lot and we always talk about the cinematography of the movies we watch. And like you, it can really be troubling in the first 10 minutes when you realize that the, the movie makers definitely don't care about nuance. Like they're just, they're just filming what's happening without any care of light. That doesn't mean that it's not a good movie half an hour in, but it's, it's something that we care a lot about now. So it's really nice that you guys are enjoying it. Yeah, I really love cinematography, and I think that over our films, you can kind of see how we've evolved. I think through practice, we've kind of figured out what we love. Like, our first movie, Rumble Strips, um, I think it was beautifully <coughs> shot. It was just really static. And then I think throughout our films, you can see how we've kind of changed and, you know, what we created in the DBU Dig is so different than how we started. And we've also learned what we can do and what we can't do. Like, we don't have lights. We can't afford lights and we don't have the crew to do lights. So we've learned, well, what what situations in inside or outside make good looking film. And so we avoid the bad situations and we look for the good situations. And I think we also, one last thing, I, I, I think we try, we're not too worried about following certain rules. That just doesn't mean a, a lot to us, you know? Um, and so we're kind of going by gut instincts. We, we absorb a lot from watching a lot of films. We're total cinephiles, but we don't really care about following too many rules beyond that. And I think that, that it can be helpful for us if we're lucky. Except we did just learn a rule that we've never followed. Now it sucks because every time we break it, I'm like, you guys were the breaking that dumbass rule. Yeah, the 180 rule. The 180 rule, yeah, that can be a bummer. <laughs> Which sometimes. we just read about. And it was like, you know, amateur photographers and filmmakers constantly break the 180 rule. I was like, what is this rule? And I was like, oh my God, we are so amateur. <laughs> Um, what is the rule? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I've broken it. Since you don't know, let's let's not keep spreading the rule. Let's just break it. It's a dumb rule. Do you know what it is? Really? No, not no, I have no idea. Well, it, like as much as I understand it, you kind of set things up like in the in, as a 360 circle. You only have the camera on 180 degrees of the situation, and you can't go over that line. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, fuck that rule. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> fuck that rule. Yeah. These rules are so, some of them are so dumb when you read them, you know? Now, Zelda, you, you talk about being a big part of the cinematography. Are you a fan of like YouTube or like TikTok or any of the new kind of content versus film? I, I love TikTok. I spend a lot of my day on it, but I would say I get most of my inspiration from watching movies. Um, I love the cinematographer for Wes Anderson. I, that is like, it pleases my eyes so much. I love watching his films and just how they work with the scenery and how they move the camera. I love it so much. It, it, look, if there's a master of mise-en-scene, it's Wes Anderson for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I Now, I, I want to briefly mention that I think the nuance in your film, oh, to, to go back a little bit, a lot of horror movies are kind of nonstop. They're kind of like machine gun beat. And I think they're trying to fight the Netflix audience, which is riddled with ADD, on their phone all the time. Background movies. Cooking dinner in a different room. And it's a big hurdle to get over. I, I will say the fact that we watched uh, the, deeper, the Deeper You Dig on Shudder, it, it's a different environment. Um, Shudder, they curate their films. And we knew going in that there was something worth seeing there. So I think we were kind of already um, calibrated to, to chill. Not, I mean, uh, you can tell I am a taskmaster when it comes to uh, not letting people sit on their phone. Clark makes a point to sit in front of me while we watch movies and have his phone out the entire time. <laughs> Russ, here's the thing. Russ does a lot of this talk where he's like, <laughs> he, he acts like he is the God of, of cinema and, and how to act. And the, these are the tenets of how to sit in a movie. And I don't say this a whole lot because I don't care what you do it, while you watch a movie. If you get enjoyment out of it, live your life. Russell's on his phone a good bit as well. So <laughs> that part, a little inside baseball. When I do that, I'm, it's a direct message to Clark. Like if he puts that something on, not true. I'll be like, "Here, I'm gonna take out my phone. He'll know what that means." That is not true. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I think it's. I'm, I'm really proud of Shutter. They're, you know what? They're uh, they did a good thing here. I'm. I think the easily your film could have been on Amazon Prime, and it would have been something we would have dug up a long time ago. But they saw the merit in there, and I, I thank them for that. Um, now. One of the things that I thought was best about your film is, the, and you just talked about it, ignoring the tropes, yeah. like not playing by the rules. And I think you guys managed, uh, I talk a lot about ghost stories and haunted houses and how they're kind of testing the nuclear family. And when I was watching yours, I was like, oh, this is really weird because we kind of have a, the nuclear families destroyed in the beginning of the movie. And it wasn't even like, it's not really complete. Like we have a single mom, which we saw a lot more of in the late nineties, early two thousands with like the ring and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, weird. I, I can't really put my finger on it. And then I noticed that it was an actual family. <laughs> movie, and it, it was, I don't know. It was messing with me. I didn't know really how to categorize it. And now hearing you guys talking about like kind of breaking the rules, not really acknowledging them. I think we need a lot more of that. And when people can't just put your book in, or your film into a file, I think there's a lot of value there. And um, I just, I, I hope you keep making horror movies and you keep doing different things. Thank you so much. That's so nice of you. And I think that we really enjoy flipping um, like common stories on their side. Like the, the ghost story we wanted. Normally the ghost story is like, the ghost is the antagonist. We all hate the ghost. But I think we wanted to make the ghost in this story the protagonist. And the ghost gets some freaking revenge. And I think that we had fun with that. Well, I think the biggest thing about the ghost is we always treat... <sighs> the problem with a lot of haunted house stories is the buildup is just so much fun. So you get act one and two. And then we're kind of... They're teasing us with Act 3. And Act 3 is always, what is it? And it's like, well, it's probably a ghost. All you've given us so far is the doors open and closed and the lights turned on and off. And what you do with a horror audience, a group of people who love to have their imagination challenged, 
they get to the third act and it's almost always disappointing. Right. Found footage horror has the same problem. Yet in this film, the ghost isn't like a secret you're we're keeping. It's confrontational. It's right. almost like an emotional, uh, uh, I don't, an emotional um, outcry. Or I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you say that. Do you get what I mean? Like the ghost has a voice in this film and is very upfront and it doesn't shy away from the camera. No. Well, I'm glad that you say that because I thought one of the fun things about making the deeper you dig was, you know, you always read in the paper, um, you know, about a, a, a tragedy, <laughs> uh, something like this. I always wonder about like, I always feel so sad that the person who's been killed or died in an accident or something like that about all the things that they miss. Like from that point on, they're going to miss so much. And I, I, it always, I always think like, well, what would they be thinking if they could think? And that's what was fun about the deeper you dig was, well, what happens if this, you know, young girl can think it through? What would she want? Well, she'd want to be near her mom. And I love that angle of it was, you know, taking the, the points of the triangle of a tragedy and showing what each point how each point deals with it. So that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, fun in a, in a kind of morose way. And to really, you know, twist it to me, it's pretty twisted how the extent that the ghost will go to, to be near her mother and the extent the mother will allow the ghost. Um, I don't want to give anything away too much, but th the very final moment of the film says a lot about a mother's love. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. I love that. It is so twisted. I mean, ugh. <laughs> well, you kind of get your, we get the cake and we can eat it too in this film. It's a haunting, but there's also an emotional haunting. And it's kind of like that um, highbrow, a24 ghost story where it's like oh let's talk about existential horror and how death can affect those living yeah. and on the, the other hand it's a macabre like tales from the crypt uh, this ghost is talking shit to the guy that killed him. <laughs> <laughs> cool. yeah I, I i'm so earlier i just wanted to point out that you guys have the best like ambiance in the background right now it sounds like what there's like a dry breeze going every now we get a deep hum of a truck <laughs> that's exactly what you're getting is i don't know about the dry breeze that might be zelda <laughs> i doubt it's dry <laughs> oh my god Rude. but the trucks are correct now i uh i pulled up your film did you have something yeah i i did have i i wanted to go back to a technical question okay um if that's okay um again all right so i don't want to spoil the scene here because i oh i think God. that it's an important i think it's a nice scene and i would like for anyone who hasn't seen the movie to experience it on their own also if you haven't seen it go watch it it's on shutter right now i know you all have it. so I'm, I'm i'm going to try to speak cryptically here but i i do realize that in possibly giving me the answer you may also spoil it as well but we'll, we'll see how it goes so um uh, toby you're in the you're in the woods i believe you're maybe sitting on a log and zelda you are not you're not <laughs> <laughs> How was that scene achieved? <laughs> that's Trey. Uh, that that's our wonderful uh, special effects guy, Trey Lindsay, and his daughter. I think his daughter was eight, nine, or ten at the time, and so he would have his daughter. Um, 
dangle, let's say, from a tree and, uh, you know, maybe shoot her feet and her sneakers. And uh, yeah, that was just a little bit of real and a, a little bit of practical and a little bit of CGI for that. Yeah, we shot both characters in that environment and then Trey separated them and put one of them where he put them. <laughs> it was actually, he worked so hard. It, that scene was really important to us to look as real as possible because like, as you guys have been talking about horror, you know, one of the dangers sometimes is that um, you're watching kind of a real story and you're believing and you're buying into it. And then suddenly this totally CGI thing happens and you got, you kind of cash your chips and you got to rebuy, you know? And yeah. um, so Trey worked really hard. He, sh he gave us a bunch of versions and it was kind of like, I don't know, I can kind of feel like it's not really honest. And I think he made such an honest scene at the end and he worked so hard to accomplish that. It was, I love that scene so much. It was, it was beautiful. It, it was, it, it, it sort of, it, it didn't take me out of the movie. If anything, I, I only say that because it, it was a, turning point for me in, in yeah. trying to, because when I, again, this was homework. I was enjoying the movie, <laughs> but I was like, what the, what the fuck is happening with this wiz this family of wizards going on? What, what is this? Because that is still turning point of them. I think if you're listening in that scene, that's the scene, you know, that's a really important scene where a lot gets laid down. The chips really fall, you know, or I shouldn't say the chips, the tarot cards really hit the table. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I think a scene like that would take somebody out of the film if it had come out of nowhere. I feel by that point. It was it was very well learned. Yeah, I by oh. that point in the movie, we're kind of already braced for anything. Yeah. We've, we've thrown the rule book of the poltergeist out the window. <laughs> which is a good thing. I, yeah, I don't know. It was beautiful. I, you know, I also want to mention for not being like, I don't know, like elitist horror fans. You guys did something that a lot of the horror community uh, has begged for kind of quietly. Um, like, here's an example. Friday the 13th. That's a movie. That's a franchise that has not uh, reinvented the wheel until they did. And they went to space. Yes. And then everybody was very angry at them for going there. But they jumped the shark long before they went to space. I, we can argue about that later. Um, <laughs> one of the things that Hitchcock always talked about was how he loved using snow because of the contrast with blood, which I heard you guys basically articulate earlier. So when you get horror fans who are elitist and go to film school, they always say, we want to see Jason in the snow. And it's just, it's not territory that horror movies normally venture into. And when I saw that your movie took place in like rural snow town, <laughs> it, it just, I... I don't know. I had such a different preconception of who we were about to talk to. And instead, it sounds like you're all just, I don't know, you got a bunch of God-given talent. And it's not fair, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being nice and we're all blushing. Oh. Toby's head about to explode. Here's what? the thing. We're, we're not critics here. Uh, we're enthusiasts. And we, we watch this because, you know, we love these films. And uh, before I get away from the cinematography, I just have to tell you. There's a moment where, where Toby's looking for uh, Zelda and you're out on the road and the truck drives by and there's a long shot. Oh, yeah. And that it's it's almost like haunting. I think about I've thought about it since I watched the movie. It's such a beautiful shot and it's so restrained. I, I just I, I don't know. I had to 
give you that okay, compliment. Everybody put on your seatbelts. Toby's going to lay the heavy on. Here's what happened. <laughs> well, that's okay. So I had um, endometrial cancer while we, just after we started shooting, I found out. And I had just had a fucking hysterectomy a day. Oh, someone's knocking on our RV. Oh, what time? <laughs> Hang on. This is scary. Um, well, this is exciting. <laughs> I think we have to move our the, It's okay. The you truck. Can move us right uh, I'll just, uh, yeah. So I had endometrial cancer and I had a hysterectomy the day before we shot that. But oh, it was a really good. Um, suddenly, what was going on to me losing, you know, that's a reproductive cancer. So losing that part of me losing my womb suddenly the the movie took on this new meaning where with about this woman who loses her daughter and i just lost my my uterus and it was like wow and i needed distraction so we just and it the 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 look was great so we just like oh let's just shoot it and it'll and um so i really was in pain that day and then the thing is when john drives away since i'm controlling the camera um zelda was in school that of the shot that I'm also in, I just added that at the last moment, you know, because I was like, Hey, I'm just going to keep the scene going since he's got to turn the truck around and I got control. So that's what that scene was about. Wow. I, it's incredibly powerful. And I'm, I'm sorry that it, that you were going through that. Are you doing okay now? I'm doing great. It means so much to me, actually, that you noticed that no one's ever mentioned that scene. And, and that that just that means a lot to me. Thank you. For well, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's a powerful moment that not only illustrated like the sense of being lost, but it also showed how close to home it happened. Yeah. And it's such a gut punch. It, and I'm uh, thank you for putting it in there. Oh, thanks really for noticing. And it, it was literally down the road from our home. I mean, less than half a mile. We shot that from our home. So you, you got it right there. <laughs> wow. You live in beautiful country. It is beautiful. And I'll say something else because John's going to move the truck a little bit. So hope, I think I've got you on a little wireless thing. So I think it should be fine. Um, you know, um, uh, Oh, yeah. So the house, the house that we were shooting in, John really was restoring that house. He only just finished it. So that house, as you know, becomes a total character, the fourth character in the film. Um, and, and he knocked it down to its skeletal stage. And as he worked on it, the, as the house was growing skin, so was Echo, you know, Echo's character starting to rise. So the house became a, a really great uh, fixture for us. Well, it really read like he knew what he was doing in there, too. Yeah. And I was like, what, did they find a guy who's like a construction worker or something? Because <laughs> it just, the way he like would hold the hammer or like put it, I don't know. It just, it felt like real. Um, anyway. That's John. Yeah. He, what, what your, what, he knows how to, you know, wreck a house and then rebuild it. <laughs> I'm only good for the prior. Yeah. I'm only good for the wrecking. <laughs> no. What kind of RV are you guys driving? Does it look like, like, could it be a character in a horror movie? Uh, this one's pretty new. We actually bought a 2019 or 20. It's a mini Winnie. It's a mini Winnebago. So it's a trailer. So we've got it hitched up to a pickup truck so that we can then park it and, and kind of tool around in the truck. Um, no, it looks pretty nice for us. Usually we have really ratty stuff, but this one's pretty new. Okay. I Because... Hearing the knock on the door and uh, getting the, the feeling of 
I don't know, some rude person maybe making a judgment call. It really, it really had an effect on me right now. And I know it sounds like such an emotional wreck. Um, no, so I work out here. We're in uh, the Bay Area. And I work down in Hunter's Point, which used to be a much rougher neighborhood. It's not the best right now. But we, uh, oh, you pulled it up. That's not bad looking. No, it's great. No, you know what? The mini Winnie is rad. Now, (laughs) it's nice for us. (laughs) The reason, the reason I'm even taking this side path now is because, my God, do I judge the hell out of all the RVs in my neighborhood? So I work, I work down in like uh, industry, like it's abandoned road, but yet uh, during this quarantine, you get a lot of, uh, uh shady characters we have a lot of homeless down there and there's a lot of rvs and there's there's this weird dance that happens where we have um the little golf cart police coming around and notifying them and they draw on the curb and you know the rv will drive 10 uh, feet away and it will be fine and i've always just assumed that everybody living in those they had a meth lab in there (laughs) and i've been really like mean and now i'm like god how how weak would it be if I had like I don't know besmirched uh, a neighbor RV and there was a, a f- family of filmmakers in there? Yeah, <laughs> do you get like a weird prejudice now that you're out on the road? Like, do you well, get to, told to move a lot? Yeah, we do get told to move a lot, but now we're actually watching Breaking Bad now. So every see an RV, I'm like, there's totally a meth lab in there. Maybe we should make ours a meth lab. I mean, come on, it's the perfect setup. <laughs> now, is, is this the first RV, or is this, is this the have you been building up to this mini Winnie situation? Yeah, our last our last RV, which was ten years ago, was had like 150, you know thousand miles on it we got it really old but it held up for us and we we called it harvey the rv that was a motorhome and it that one did us really well that one was pretty was definitely a little ratty um right now how how often are you going on the road is it strictly for you know inspiration we just we love to get around we like to we we like to shoot in all kinds of crazy places and america is just so beautiful i mean there's okay now we're moving just so you know john is actually moving moving the trailer and hopefully we're not going to get cut off <laughs> I, I, whatever happens happens i think it's all great radio so yeah power to it yeah because some douchebag knocked on our door and was like you gotta move it so <laughs> um so we're moving buddy maybe um, we'll kill him in our next horror movie <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> no don't do <laughs> wait no wait so but you're in Wait, when you say the Bay Area, are you you you're not taught you're taught aren't you in Michigan? No, we're San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, why did I think I thought I thought you were maybe on like the lakes? Oh, San Francisco. Oh, cool. Oh, well that's you're lucky there. That's nice. Well, we we so getting back to the road, you know, if we know that we're going to drive da- up and down the coast of the you know, the Pacific Coast, mm-hmm. We basically just steal what we can, you know. Yeah, we probably need permits for a lot of stuff, but since we're such a small team, sometimes we get permits, but a lot of the time we just steal shit because we have no budget, and that's just what we try to do. Um, and 
we hope that we get away with it as much as possible. Uh, and when and when, so when you're in an RV and you're traveling all over, you can get around to a lot more than just the Catskills, which are beautiful mountains um, and beautiful lakes. But you don't have the ocean. You don't have the desert. So that's what we like to. And so for this new film, we're trying to add these sequences that are sort of dreamy or nightmarish. And, and that's what you can do when you're when you're in some place like Yellowstone Park. And you have like hot, you know, hot bubbling pools. It looks hellish. And our movie's called Hellbender. So we, that's why we hit the road again. Nice did, work. Did that work? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. I, I, we got a little bit of extra uh, natural sounds going on. We didn't lose connection. That was perfectly executed. <laughs> did you get the guy yelling at me? That part was fun too. And you got to picture the story here. Like, so we're in this. We're at the outskirts of town in basically a shutdown old mall, and there's one little movie theater with about a thousand empty parking spaces. And the guy knocks on the door and says, "You gotta move! I got customers that need to park here." <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, you have a thousand empty fucking spaces." It's probably <laughs> virtual for COVID anyway. What a fucking idiot! But there you go, man. It, life is beautiful. There's always one. There's always, always a couple. There's three right here. <laughs> So uh, what, what can you tell us about the new movie? How far along are we? We're about, I think we shot like 60% of the kind of solid realistic drama because we shot that back home and we have a really fun story. One of the things we noticed out on the festival circuit was people really loved the mother-daughter story and they loved Zelda and Toby's kind of vibe. And so we, this movie's really about them. It's about a mother and a daughter and we also, you know, we, I think we're, I think, I hope we're understanding our strengths and our weaknesses. And so we're trying to capitalize on what people enjoyed about the deeper you dig. We're kind of sh trying to shake off the things that people didn't, you know, in we're tempering that because sometimes people don't like what we, we, we like anyway, we're going to do it anyhow. But, um, so we're trying to learn from our strengths and weaknesses of the deeper you dig and apply them to Hellbender. And I think that this is the funnest movie, at least for me, that we've ever done. Um, I think Zelda and Toby are to just have this chemistry that's wonderful. And I'm having a lot of fun with the kind of uh, the dark, dreamy, nightmarish parts of the movie and um i think putting these two things together we're gonna have a really exciting thing we also got some new filming equipment for the next movie we got um a drone and um a ronin like steady cam so i'm so excited to work with those always love their toys <laughs> <laughs> yes all right now russ do you want to do the thing that you normally do with our uh, when we talk to filmmakers what do and you mean? Uh, try to um switch them over to the dark side oh you know I hadn't even thought of it. Go, you want? To I, I think it would be. A, I think. I think it could be up the rally. All right. So, okay. um, so we are uh, big uh, proponents of a um, a a well, not so liked subgenre of horror. Uh, we actually run the country's only found footage film festival. Uh, we're going on our fourth year, and uh, we're, we're we love found footage. Do you well, guys for many of the similar reasons we like your film? Absolutely, it's it's a lot of um, people who don't normally come out of like academia to make another 
of uh, seven. It's people who, you know, they want to tell a story and they employ what they have. And a lot of the times they end up like subverting the studio system completely and breaking rules like the 180 degree rule. Yeah. And (laughs) away all the bullshit. Filming on their camera and on their phone. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so is is uh, is found footage something that's really uh, on y'all's radar? We've talked about that actually a lot in the past because it would work so well with what we do. Um, I think uh, the the girls can answer what they think. It's funny. I th- I think it sounds really difficult to do well. Um, we were gonna in one of our movies have most of the movie done through the eyes of a camera of Zelda. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And. Um, it, it was difficult. Uh, it's something that I think we would love, absolutely love to do. Because I yeah. love it. You know, I, I think it's a, in a wickedly cool medium. Um, I guess now, I'm a little scared of it. <clears throat> now, so here's the thing. I think you get Zelda. You, you drive around the country like you're already doing. If she just vlogged that, I, as long as you're not trying to overproduce it. Yeah. I think you guys could figure out a little tie-in. It you could kill it, knock it out of the park. <laughs> you know, in the pursuit of verisimilitude, you don't really want to think about it too much. And I think you guys just have the raw ideas and the instincts to make something really cool. I don't know why I didn't even think about pitching them found footage. And of course, well, of course, we have a film fest, so we'd always have an avenue to show your film. Ooh, <laughs> Super fun. Really now, cool idea. now the overlook uh do you show it at the overlook so okay the overlook theater was a blog i started like oh god i had that word uh like eight years ago and the idea was um oh god it's a pun it's kind of based on the shining because everybody thinks that's the most like it's a direct ripoff of the shining yeah, ev- everybody thinks that's the most heady um horror film ever but we right. were also watching a lot of indie or the micro budget so we were watching overlooked films and the idea would be that we're not we review things as a group so like if the witch came out at least five of us would have to be there and then we would all rate it individually and then we would boil it down into like an average kind of like what rotten tomatoes does except we weren't going to be um uh, critics like to shit all over horror movies and i had the page open forever because you guys are currently sitting at 94 percent on rotten tomatoes so congratulations there Thank and you. uh and the audience scores at 69, which is pretty right. cool. But also, <laughs> also, yeah, I, cool. yeah, right. <laughs> we'll see I if know. <laughs> the audience, they don't know what to do with it. And I'm articulating that for them just because you made such a different, interesting ghost story that people, you know, they want to watch the Disney trailer and know the whole film before they even sit down in the theater. Anyway, that's why it's 69. No. They're wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the overlook. So we'd get together, review things together, and then yeah, we would have a conversation about a film that probably wouldn't otherwise. Like if you're just abandoning it on Amazon Prime, um, the film fest we're talking about is the unnamed footage festival. Um, that's the found footage thing, and then I don't. There's too much branding. It's kind of confusing, but yeah. So there's not an actual theater. Long yeah. story short. <laughs> Unless you come over, we do have a projector in a big room. That's better than we've been at some festivals. That'd be great. <laughs> and San Fran's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, sure. So true. while we're while we're talking about festivals, have you guys looked into any of the online ones? 
we're about to be on one, the Victoria, uh, Texas International Film Festival, which is a festival we've been involved with for years, and we love them. They're they're online, um, but our festival run was pretty great and illustrious, and it's kind of waning now. But yeah, it just ended. Like basically, our run was over right when COVID hit. So uh, we'll see whether Hellbender. You know, who knows how long this kind of craziness is going to last? I don't know whether Hellbender will be done in time. Um, to have to deal with the kind of COVID festival circuit, but we'll see. Do you do you sort of have a, a rough timeline of when you think Hellbender will be finished? We're trying to we're trying to we definitely try not to put stress on ourselves. Um, it, it would be nice if we were done in April because there is a season because basically October you know starting in from August through November is when really a lot of the horror festivals hit. So you, we if we want to get this next year's 2021s, we would have to we'd have to be done by April. But we'll see. I don't want to. The movie's going to tell us kind of when it's done that's the best answer that's the coolest that's the best I know. answer yeah you, do, you don't have any sort of corporate overlord with a clipboard you know telling you that you know april or bust checking out all the dailies yeah yeah right yeah the dailies <laughs> we are very lucky though you talk about dailies we are very lucky because we get to shoot go home and look at what we've done that evening like it's one of the biggest advantages of how we work is that we all get to look at what we've done we'll do a quick rough edit and if we don't like it we go right back to where we were the the you know the, the next day and and fix things so it's it is lucky that we in a way we do have dailies yeah sometimes we we shoot things several several times till we get it right and even like even on this trip, we were in Yellowstone. We shot a bunch of stuff. We came home. I put it together, and we needed a little more. And we hiked back up to these big uh, lava pits and reshot up there. And it was cool. So we're able to do that even though we're on the road now. Fantastic. It's a, yeah, you guys are really you're living a dream. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I was beyond curious what you you all would be like well thanks for having us and now you, you've got fans for life yeah and uh anything you guys uh do we'll certainly be right there with you and uh please keep us posted and we'll work on that found footage idea we love it it's a cool idea also even like i love the idea of found photographs that's something that that i kind of love um you know finding old creepy photographs that you know could be put into uh, into some kind of montage or thrown together. That's, that's fun. Oh yeah. I've seen um, short films cut together by just using photos. The one, yeah. uh, 12 monkeys that's based off a short that was like that oh, uh, wow. for a long time. I wanted to make one. I just, I don't know. I don't have the, the ability to pull the trigger on anything. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. All right. So, so, okay. How can people find you guys? Are y'all on social media? Yeah, we're on um, Instagram at adams.family.films. Also, we have an Instagram for The Deeper You Dig. It's just the title of the movie. And we're also on Twitter at adams underscore films. And uh, online, um, what, what's our site? Our website's wonderwheelproductions.com. And, and trailers and access to our other films is all on there, too. And we're on Facebook. And Facebook's good for 
for talking to people. So John Adams, Toby Poser. Zella doesn't really do it. I don't know how to use Facebook. She's too cool for that. <laughs> Stay off Facebook, Zelda. Like, unless she said to me the other day, we actually got a really neat article on Yahoo, and she said, Dad, but does anybody use Yahoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The answer is no. No. <laughs> no, the answer is yes. All the cool on Yahoo. I still have a Yahoo email. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm a little old school. You guys were so much fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank yes. you so much. That was a great day. Love your Absolutely. energy. Thank you guys. Yeah, no problem.